trying to get the erection. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. This is a tabletop RPG podcast, all about tabletop RPG podcasts. Is it? Uh, my name's Harrison Hunt, and with me is Jimmy Clunkles. What's up, my jubidees? And, um, yeah, I mean, today we've got a show for you, innit? We've definitely got one of those. Well, we built it by um, hand, but, like, with tweezers. Is, yeah, handcrafted podcast for you here. None of that machine-built crap, no way. Yeah, we're no recording using, like, um, cups and string and... And, yeah, you have to have... To be fair, you do have to have another cup and a string to be able to hear it, but, you know... So if you're listening to it right now, well done. Well done. You've, you've achieved something in your meaningless life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, today we're going to be doing feedback, we've got uh, some news as well, and then we're going to be talking about what we've been playing and what you've slain. And then the main subject is going to be how to keep players engaged. Uh, and, uh, and then we're going to do your questions in the Electro Letters segment. Shall we engage? We should, and I do. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. So feedback. Um, first of all, Ace, he's uh, talking about the you know um, we talked about last week the rope monkeys. Where oh yeah. The, the the authors of Pirate Borg accidentally did a racist where they called one of the classes rope monkey, uh, and it was a picture of a black bloke. <laughs> Which was uh, probably an accident. But anyway, Ace, uh, his feedback, he says, uh, didn't Spelljammer also do a similar racist thing with racist pirate monkeys? Why can't RPG publishers do pirates without being racist? It's because they're all racist. Yeah, pirates, by their very nature, are pretty... They're bad people. Yeah. They're rapists. Because they rape and pillage, right? And they're racists. <laughs> so, to combine the two, they're rapists. Um... It, <laughs> I, d- I don't know. I don't know why they can't I can't do it without being racist. I mean, it's just. Um... I think uh, I think it's just how they're always depicted because they're always pretty because they don't wash right, so they all always look a bit grim and look a bit. It's like, like that Ali G episode. You know the one where he goes to a Welsh mining town <laughs> and and he's like, why is there only brothers in the mines? And yeah, it's just, exactly. <laughs> it's all of the people in there with just coal dust on their face. I think that's probably where some of it is because obviously they are a bit grimy. They're going so to the be pirates, in the sun all the time, so they're leathery. Pirates are very inclusive, fact. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I feel like I think wasn't the Spelljammer thing? If I'm not mistaken, there was a recent. It might be recent Spelljammer. I'm probably talking about my arse here, but the recent Spelljammer thing had a new race in it. It was a flying monkey man. And I think people then said it was racist when it wasn't. It was just a monkey flying man. Well, I, that's, the, I don't know. that's the media for you today. Exactly. I th- I, I'm not sure if they actually... It might have been, but I, th- I remember seeing something about recent D&D where it was like they put a monkey man class in it and everyone was like, oh, this is racist. And it's like, to who? Chimps. <laughs> Um, but AC continues, this is, I think, once again, racists have ruined things for the rest of us. Rigging monkey referred to a person who climbs rigging quickly is a perfectly cool term, but then racists are all like, black people are monkeys, and then they ruin everything for everyone again. Yeah, I suppose the, the, tr- the, the trouble is not calling somebody who works on a boat a monkey because they climb about the boat and do the rigging, yeah. right? It's because that term has now shifted meaning because of arseholes, I suppose. Mm. I guess that's what they're getting at, but yeah. I understand that. It's sort of like how um, in England we have a delicious version of a meatball called a faggot. Yeah, we do. But that has shifted. Me- just call um, it a meatball nowadays. Yeah, we should just call it a meatball. But I tell you what, they are fabulous. Oh, I love faggots. 
<laughs> we did the same thing. Okay. <laughs> right, next one comes in from N. How the hell? Uh, it's O with an umlaut, A I M. And what I just did then was racist, which is quite fitting. N? <laughs> he said, uh, picking on Sean is getting a tad old. Yeah? Well, we've killed him now and he's not here, so gutted, we win. <laughs> No, look, to be fair, the last episode, we did go a bit mental on his ass. Yeah, but we did on purpose, because... And he he knew it was a joke, and I know, we, we did do it on purpose. Now, when we came up with the... We wanted to punish Sean for having done absolutely nothing in the last, like, five episodes, right? We're bringing, <laughs> bringing in punishments. Now, I was going to be really cruel, and I was going to be like, OK, you've got drinks and vinegar, then pour some bleach in your eyes. In your face. No, <laughs> probably not that hard. No, no, not that far. But, yeah, it was, I was going to go cruel. And James came up with that idea where, you know, he, he made a quiz where every answer made Sean sound like a conspiracy nut. Which he is. <laughs> yeah, some of those answers weren't even in there, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, th- I think I'm, I'm sort of like, well, we could have gone worse with it. It was probably fucking annoying to listen to, but Actually, I found yeah, it really To be fun. honest, it probably was annoying to listen to, so I apologise for that. But... No, no, it was funny, though, for yeah. me. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. No, it does. Please listen. Please tell your friends. No, but we had um, we had already made a solemn promise that we weren't just going to have Sean as the butt of all jokes. Mm-hmm. But shame, he's he's such a butt. And he's such a joke. <laughs> no, so, uh, Sean, you're cool, man. Uh, no, we do like him, to be fair. It's just that, you know, he asks for it sometimes on this podcast, to be fair. And that's, that's, all, it, that's all there is to it. We're not like this to him in real life. Oh, well, I mean, we are. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Actually, I'm bring, you know, well, I'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, there's something you've done, actually, James, and I'm going to only talk oh, to you yes. Lassie, he says, in the last episode, did Harrison say Morkborg is Norwegian? Better watch out for them longboats, boy. <laughs> so it's uh, Swedish, isn't it? Is yeah. It? Oh, is it? Uh, it's one of those Scandi Stockholm Ouija. Stockholm cartel, isn't it? Is yeah. The, uh, is the oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I, do, I wonder why it was called that. It's just that they make so many references to Norwegian black metal in the opening intro, so I just assumed. Uh, they just like it. Sorry about that. Just like the Yeah, but uh, as you all know, I'm a racist, so that's why. Well, that's true. That's why that happened. Um, Mugbuki is it's one of the Scandi Ouija ones, and that's fine. And that's racist. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. No, I don't know. Sorry about that. Uh, to the Swedes. I just seen James readjusting a picture of a muscly Kirby I had printed off at a photo printing station. <laughs> is that is that really inspiring you? It's it's good because it's like I'm looking at you, but I'm actually looking at the Kirby. That's what I want to be though, so that's fine. <laughs> um, that's it for feedback. Uh, let's do some news. Yeah, baby. Vegan gets annoyed over virtual meat. What? Oh, I know the one that you're looking at. Is it the one with the where they're cutting a tree and it says vegan steak? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. The news was it was the um, there was a, an anonymous DM that took to Reddit recently because one of his players at his games uh, was a vegan, right? And of course, it being D and D, a lot of players they they went and they uh, they were butchering animals, making stew out of them, this and the other, and uh, the vegan wasn't happy with it. And he sort of ex-carded the whole situation and asked the DM if he could please not include any references to that type of stuff in the game anymore. Um, now, I, I thought it was interesting because a lot of people have done a video on this or, 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 done, or given their two cents on it. And I feel like the DM wasn't... 
uh, nasty about it when he took to Reddit. He was just like, well, what is the best way to deal with well, this situation? what's the best solution? Help me out, guys. I, I was thinking about this, because Professor Dungeon Master, obviously, he's a guy I steal a lot of content from. And I watched his video, and I... I he he was saying that you know it's perfectly fine because if butchering and eating things isn't the main theme of your game, you just you just gloss over it and move on, right? For one player's not comfortable with it. True. And he also but mentioned if it's a farming simulator RPG. Then you're fucked, really. I mean, there's no two ways around it. it I mean, in Digimon, they used to do it that uh, meat grew on trees, so I guess you could go that length. But uh, yeah. then there's certain types of vegan that won't eat anything unless it falls off the tree naturally. That's a bit fucked up, mate. You could be starving there in a complete fruit-bearing tree that the only way that they come down... Just please fall down. Just looking at that apple so longingly. A crow pecking at it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I I, I was thinking about this, right, and I I, I think, like, on the surface it seems fine, right? It's basically completely inoffensive to just be like, okay, well, you know, I can just gloss over that from now on. Yeah. But let's say, for example, I was thinking about it in terms of our MCC game, right? I mean, there's there's no real-world animals in that. Um, but, you know, there are some things that, that come close to it. You know, a dog, but a two-headed dog or whatever. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if you're out in the fucking wilderness in the game and you're stranded in the middle of nowhere and you don't find any fucking berries, you don't find any fruit, what are you going to do? You have to, you're going to have to kill and eat something. So what, what what do you say then? If the DM said to you, okay, no references to be included about uh, eating and killing meat, okay, so you fight the dog, you kill it, and then and then the DM goes, you've got four food. You just say that, you gloss over it, you've got four food. Yeah. But then that, that sort of is implied that you have butchered and killed that sweet, sweet dog, yeah, right? That's true, yeah. So where sweet, do you draw the line? I mean, two heads to, to care for. Two, two, two heads to make a delicious um, stock. Yeah, and the rest awful. of it awful. Lots more awful. Lovely, um, and yeah, I was just thinking about it in, in terms of that because there's there does come a point where you really can't get around it, especially in a fantasy game, right? You go, in, yeah, you could go into every pub and they say, yeah, we've got stew, generic I, stew. I feel like in terms of fantasy games, it's just part and part of the parcel. Yeah, yeah, because because it's it's just it. That's the world they were living in, right? Or at least if you've got medieval themes to it. Um, yeah, it's a little bit weird, but um, he did bring up the fact that, you know, it was like, uh, he, uh, the, the, uh, essentially, the GM said that he, he said that he would never include any references to real-world animals getting butchered. Right. But other ones would be fine. So if you killed a giant... Well, that's a frog, though, isn't it? Because what... Actually, are there any fucking fantasy animals from the game that you would eat? Probably not. I'm not butchering um, and eating a goblin. That's going to be... That's disease town. Yeah, well, an orc, that's basically a man. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, man. A did up man. Um, Slod. You could make a nice salad out of a slod. Slod, mate. (laughs) How about... But surely... I don't know, it's a bit confusing because if they... uh, how, How would you even put that? The only way that you could be kind to everyone... Um, at the table because um, I don't I don't enjoy the militant vegans who are just like it's about me. It should be all inclusive and if they had the, fine they can request please don't talk about meat and stuff because it puts me off because I love animals. Yeah, but yeah, the best they can really expect is for us to uh, sort of try not to wear possible. Yeah, it would just I mean? be like okay um, uh, if at any point you come across an animal or vegetation. And you'd like to get some food, then what you should do is 
um, just say, I would like to forage for food. And then you forage. And that's and then we just keep it as a, sub, like like an alien, like a generic supply. Yeah, it's sub, just food. Subliminal or a, a sub kind of food gathering. I mean, that really is the best you can do. I mean, and uh, in... Professor Dungeon Master's video, he spoke about, um, you know, what if the person was had real-world trauma linked to that? What if they'd, at a young age, seen footage of an abattoir or something like that? And it's like, well... That's fine, but, like, you know, if, if that is the case, then I think that that person who has had that experience, they should, if they're uncomfortable with the situation, at least bring it to light and just say, something happened in my past. It's, I'm, I'm squeamish about it or something like that because if you don't bring it to light which I presume within the contained text and reach out to everyone to how do I deal with this it didn't say anything like that yeah well yeah exactly so it, it, I think yeah it's just a case of where you've got to go okay we gloss over it yeah. there's only so far you can go because if you do kill something and then eat it I mean that's but then, do you know what I find a bit strange about it? So we're talking about, like, the, he said the solution he came to was that, the, you know, the guy that posted it, he said that, you know, he would no longer include references to real-world animals. But then, just, but those animals aren't, aren't uh, they're, they're, they're real-world animals, but they're not real animals. They're fantasy ones, right? Yeah, so then, so if, not, you're ki- if you're killing a made-up animal, animals what's... ever. Right, exactly. So if you're killing a made-up animal, what's the fucking difference? Well, this is the thing as well. It's like um, if you're going on that sort of wavelength, then you do understand that every um, made-up animal is based on a real-world animal. Like an owl bear is literally an owl and a bear. That's both. You could make owl soup or bear soup. Depends on which end you use. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like unicorn, horse. That's a horse. That's a a horse. That's a horse. Uh, Slod, that's based on the real-world animal, the salad. Yeah, exactly. They're getting all leafy. But yes, I agree. So many of the monsters that you would even think to eat are so close to animals, and that's the reason you would think to eat them. It's true. I think the only solution is to eat everything. Um, (laughs) No, I don't know, man. It's just it's it's interesting to think about. I don't think I have a good answer for it, but I just uh, I think it was quite um, polarizing. Because at the end of the day, if that player brings something decent to your table and you want to keep them there, you'll make that sacrifice. Well, if, about... if they're being an annoying cunt about it, you're well within your rights to ask them to leave. Well, also, just like think about video games. You, if there's like a wandering fucking pig or something, a warthog, you kill it and then you can pick it up, maybe put it on a fire and then it will turn into food, right? And then that goes in your inventory. Therefore, you can heal yourself. That's the that's the mechanic, typically. Yeah, it's, it's in, and it's an important part of it. Yeah, so the only way that you could conceivably get around it is literally just go, have a forage for food button. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So and you, you've, get, you've got attacked by this warthog, you've killed it, and then just go, right, give me a foraging well, let's see how many food, wink, that you get from this area. <laughs> food, where the O's are eyes, warthog eyes. Some feed. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. All right, well, uh, that is it for news, really. Um, well, there's a new expansion coming out for Tales from the Loop, but nobody cares. Uh, Shall we get into what we've been playing? And it's one of these! 
Oi! Yeah? What you slay? So, we've been carrying on with the MCC game. We'll get to that in a minute, because we took a week off. Uh, Sean, he's been a bit uh, down in the dumps due to some personal stuff recently, so we took a uh, week off of MCC to play some very cathartic hero quest. Oh, man. Yeah. Now, we know in the past, whenever somebody's made a fucking fuck-up at the game, right, we've had to reference it on the podcast. And James... So you are—you've been recently trying to get too swole to even control. Oh, That's yeah, just, and so you've been eating protein powder. Yeah, just straight from the bag. Just the powder <laughs> itself, just snorting lines of it. Um, but you did. It no, I realised what it was actually. Okay, go on. Um, well, but before before you go no, on, I'll, I'll let you continue fully, and then I'll say what I know. Okay. Uh, no, James did a fart at the game that was so disgusting, and it lingered for so long, like a good ten minutes, <laughs> and it smelled like sulphur, like like pure egg smell. It was disgusting. Well, it had to open. You know, it's it one of those windows and the high-rise blocks where the window opens like a like a big door, and we had to mm-hmm. open it up. And it made all of us cold at the table. Um, but it was quite funny because just before all of um, just before I put my hand up to say yes, it was me. It was really, really funny because Harrison thought it was Sean. And uh, we sort of had it. Uh, and, then, and then they were arguing with each other, and I sat there. Sean was like, I didn't fucking do it, man. And I was like, Sean, I know like, you did. You, I could see it on your fucking face. Like, so I was I, getting... It was really funny because I had this like little grimace on my face for ages until I just went, Yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the worst smells I've ever smelled. I mean, I was trying to vape to cover it up, and like, Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Like, if I think about it now, it makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> yeah, so, oh. what's going on with your diet then? Wait, I, need is... to tell you, I need to tell you what else happened that same night. Oh, no. So, about, um, I woke up in the morning and then I was in the uh, bathroom with Fiona and then she just went, I've got grievance. She was like, <laughs> some, at like one something in the morning, she woke up. Thought some, I thought I died because of the smell. She got woken oh up God. by the fart I did. Um, but I realised it was some uh, the pork and dolphin wires I ate for, um, at work because it was just that's the only day that it's happened like that, and that's the only thing that I had that could have. Uh, it was rancid, and yeah. I'm de- and like no offence, James, but I'm definitely going to put it as a jingle because I decided because I've been doing getting doing more stuff on our YouTube channel. I decided to record a POV video of me playing Hero Quest, um, and there's a bit where you just say, "Got to go far." And you stand up and leave the room. And I'm definitely going to turn that into Jingle. Because <laughs> we said, right, if you're going to do it again, you have to go out into the fucking hallway. And then there's a bit where James, sort of two two beers in, a little bit drunk, just goes, got to go far. Like, that's like, so casually. <laughs> yeah, but I did the nice thing. Cause you said, got no, you did. Out the door. Yeah, you did do it. You did do it. So Fair it. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, you redeemed yourself, but it was fucking horrible. It was so bad. But it was one of those ones where I literally didn't expect it to, you know, when it, you just don't expect it to be that, that stenchy, and then you're just like, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. It so was I horrible. didn't, like, on purposely try and kill everyone. No, I know that, but, you know, uh, you're fired. <laughs> um, but yeah, we played some Hero Quest. It was good. But the fart was better. That, no, that, that ruined it for me. Actually, I hate that board game now. <laughs> No, Hero Quest is great. We've said it before. Um, you should get it, buy it, play it with your mum. I think actually, because we, we're going to talk about engagement with players later on, there's a lot of things that I think RPGs could learn from Hero Quest in that respect. Um, but one of the main things, I think, is how fast, uh, how farts, uh, it, it, it sort of it resolves everything because turns are just so easy. 
players are engaged because it's just like bam, 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 it's back to well, your players turn. players are engaged because they have to be. Exactly. You don't have a choice. I mean, it was also quite obvious at the table when, when like, say, we weren't. Because you're just like, it's your fucking turn, man. It's like, oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, well, the, tra- the trouble is because HeroQuest is such an easy game to play. I feel like we can sort of, from a... I don't know how to put it, but like from an intellectual standpoint, sort of have a week off and just be a bit mental. Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to think. You like like in RPGs, so you're much. really thinking outside the box a lot of the time. And as you know, we always have fun at the table mm. with them. But when Hero Quest, it's just like you really are just killing shit, and that's part of the fun, I guess. Killing and exploring. That's yeah. it. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. We did two levels. We two, did. two more levels. So we, we did, did. The, the first time we played it, we we played the first level, and then we done the second two, and we've taken our characters back up again. Finally, I got an upgrade for mine. Got a broadsword, and you got a longsword. A longsword. I'm the longsword. I've got staff from the wizard, so he can attack diagonally. Which nice. Is pretty yeah. Um. I mean, there's not much else to report, but except the new box set is very good. Go and get it. It's really fucking good. Uh, I do enjoy how well um, even the old one is is packed. Uh, although the old one had. Um, a lot of paper furniture. Yeah, paper furniture. Whereas the the new Hero Quest has really solid um, plastic that's never going to degrade ever. Yeah, it's well good, really, really good. <laughs> um, and we've we've been carrying on with the MCC Mutant Call Classics game. Yes, mate. Uh, that's the full title. Um, yeah, so um, big, very well. We've played a couple of sessions, obviously, since the last time we we, we did the podcast. But the uh, the sort of overarching story is that these guys are mutants. They're the the what is the last um, uh, last remains of humanity twelve thousand years after some disaster. It's like that we we believe that we're the last colony on Earth. Kind of yeah, thing. I mean, believe is the operative word there because uh, <laughs> essentially these guys have been they're, they're warders, and they, that essentially means they're allowed to leave the village and do missions and collect things for people. So that's sort of their their role in the mutant village. We've got uh, James is an electrically generating, f- uh, not flying raccoon. Uh-huh. We've got Sean. Uh, he's playing Unit Truckton, who is a mutant with lots of stretchy powers. Yeah, and bigulation. He's got bigulation. He's got uh, debigulation. Yeah. And uh, then we've got uh, Frankie Fungi Fungowski, who is the uh, plantian mold man. Yeah, and um, uh, essentially they, there was they've done a couple of missions now where they worked for this uh, blacksmith in town, and the blacksmith is like. Um, there's something going on with the electric fence in the town, and uh, they, uh, and because it was left there by humanity, which they call the ancient ones, and they trace the problem with the electric fence to a hatch uh, underneath the blacksmith's house, because they all live in these like old, decrepit buildings that used to belong to the ancient ones, with no knowledge of actually how to repair any of them. But yeah, down down below the uh, down below the uh, guys. Um, house it turns out that there's this fucking there's this massive facility that was keeping the electric generators online and the it electric was gigantic as well which is madness because initially what we uh, as we entered it it was to us just uh, like a dungeon crawl and there was a few rooms and there was like these weird monsters floating about and we were just like why that eat electricity yeah so we, we had to sort of battle our way through some some of these areas and it was quite um it was quite fun to do a, a dungeon crawl in the midst of all of this, like in our hometown as well, where well, the, the threat is like literally beneath us. Yeah, I mean, it, that was what kind of made it fun was that it's like this... Yeah, I think you guys kind of expected 
because I didn't think you were going to go down there, and then when you did, you were just sort of like, all right, we'll just have a quick look in there. And I was like, oh, fuck it, Neil. They don't know what they got themselves into. Yeah. But it was a two-session-long uh, thing where they were trying to sort it out, and uh, uh, as a uh, sort of just long story short, they did. But what happened in the end is that they get to the end of it, and they see an archon, and these archons are... Uh, chil- machine children of the god that lives uh, beneath the earth, which is this uh, the god is like this planetary defense system that's built into the earth itself. But for some reason, these archangels that are meant to protect humanity, these robot children, they, they're suddenly attacking the party and they don't know why. And now, this has happened also at another location that they previously went to, and it's becoming worrying. Um, because it, it, recently also monsters have been seen more, they've been acting up, and the planet... Well, humanity isn't being defended anymore for some reason. So yeah. the, the, it's been attacked. The leader of the village now says that he wants all of the guys to devote their time 100% to researching why the angels are attacking and why this is happening. So the guys, they sort of agreed to do it, but they'd already accepted a mission where they were looking for the blacksmith's wife who had recently gone missing. Yep. Now, what was funny is that the, the you got they, we were we're doing the travel mechanics like rolling for hexes, rolling for random encounters, all this shit, um, food. Yeah, we're doing directions, and uh, yeah, it ends up where they're trying to track her through the woods and get incredibly lost. Like they lose her tracks and then just start guessing, end up on a beach of a great lake, and um, roll two random encounters and get probably. So I've made a table out of all of the ones from the MCC book. Right, mm. and and some others that I put them in a random order. Random order, and these guys in this in the same night rolled the two worst ones ever, and they're straight from the book. There's this giant uh, cactus T Rex called a Cactacea Rex, <laughs> and that's the first thing they fight, uh, which was really quite difficult. Well, it almost it was almost TPK. Almost a TBK. Luckily, they have this neutron rifle, which is an instant kill weapon. But the trouble is, is that all monsters get a save on it, and it uses up varying amounts of power, depending on how powerful you want to make it. Mm. So the fight goes on for a good couple of rounds before they manage to get the neutron rifle off. And James, quite sillily, he's got this ability called symbiotic touch. He has to touch a being to be able to communicate a thought to it, an idea, and then yeah, it does Yeah, but it's it. only out of practice how I've learned how to try and bide my time because Harrison does this great thing where he goes right you've got uh, five seconds right now to say the three words because depending on the role depends on the command I can give sometimes it's one word sometimes it's three sometimes it's a sentence and the best well there are varying levels and one of them uh, as well which I did um, was one where I meld with the being for 24 hours and become it and can completely control it but I only had three words in this case um, and I managed to just say, um, uh, it was something like, um, go far away or something like that. Well, that was on the next one, but yeah. on, on this one, I, um, I think you made it lose a turn, didn't you? And it was like, stop doing this or whatever. Oh yeah. But, but the funny thing is, is that you went up and you were like, right, symbiotic touch. And I'm like, this thing's a cactus, man. And you, it was like, but yeah, you, you hurt yourself a little bit, but you did make it lose a turn. And then uh, Sean's character had the neutron rifle, but unfortunately he's got the um, negative mutation, a defect uh, called delusional, and he can't use certain tech levels of artifacts of the ancient ones. So he gets out the neutron rifle, doesn't even understand what it is, and just chucks it to Frankie, who then fires it. And they've got quite a lot of cactus vegan meat from this dinosaur. 
But it was yeah, it was the next fight where James you really really uh, smashed it because. Um, well, it's yeah, it was one of those roles where you're just like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, let's do the other roles. Like Harrison sat there, is like, I don't fucking believe it. <laughs> I know, yeah, because it was like we got one random encounter with that giant T Rex thing, and then the next one is like. This thing is like a Godzilla-level monster. It's essentially Mothra, and it's this thing called Evox, and it's a giant insect moth thing. And one of its abilities is that it can blast a 100-foot radius, basically, explosion out of its mouth. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember how you fucking did it, but you got it to come close enough to where you could touch it, because it was just going to fly in the air and just absolutely batter the lot of you. Uh... It wasn't a mind blast, was it? Because I know Sean's character, he can mind blast, but I, I, I don't remember. No, I think it was a mind blast, and that means that it stopped floating, it fell down to the ground. Yeah, something like that. And then uh, James used symbiotic touch and made it fuck off, uh, yeah. which was very, very handy. Because, I mean, they really... We, we literally would have died, that was it. Yeah, Sean, Sean mind blasted it, made it miss a turn, and then that was that gave James a chance to then come in and, and symbiotic touch it. Uh, but yeah, you, it was like, if that had popped off one attack, you would have fucking died. Yeah, End of story. Simple. Um, yeah, so that was rough, um, and that pretty much comprised an entire session because it was like you guys sort of tracking this woman through the woods, getting a bit lost, getting attacked by these fucking things, uh, hiding out for the night and resting. Now, oh, they also got another, so I've got a table of weird weather phenomenons, and <laughs> one of them was a transonic storm, and it's like portals, um, sound, sound waves, like things like this. It's like a storm with all sorts of weird scientific phenomena in it. And they had to try and survive it um, and get to this. They saw a landmark that was like this old drugstore. And if they could get in, um, then they would survive. And that was fucking annoying. So it's basically just the entire world against you that night. Oh, that was madness. It was fucking Absolute horrible. Absolute madness. But one thing is they get to the drugstore and they see that somebody's recently clawed something up from the ground. Like they tried to gather something in a hurry. So they at least know that somebody's been here recently. Long story short is that they track the woman to this... Uh, they find another civilization, finding that they aren't the lost vestiges of humanity. In actual fact, there's this whole civilization of uh, actual humans, pure strain humans. So they, their mutation is that they can't be mutated. Mm. And um, it's they all worship this big high-rise, and most of them work in a quarry, uh, literally working themselves to death to build extra floors onto this high-rise building in the hopes that one of them will be promoted and allowed inside the high-rise building as opposed to the millions of tents that are outside of the building. Um, sort of a very clever metaphor, if you... No, but, uh, yeah, so <laughs> they... Um, yeah, they meet one of the guys and uh, uh, one of the guys there, and they're, they're all cool with mutants. Like they've seen a lot of them. In fact, they they tell you, and uh, there's a lot of poverty, death, people starving, people working themselves to death in this quarry. Um, and they they manage to hear after talking to some of the people two things. First of all, there's this other tribe called the Gene Police who hunt mutants, <laughs> and they they usually do their patrols From about. Levi's. From Le Levi's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, they're the fashion police. Yeah. And if you wear bad jeans, <laughs> they're going to fuck you up. Uh, but, yeah, so they come in there at seven. So the guys have basically got four hours to get this woman out of the high-rise building because she was apparently let in. And some of the villagers are kind of miffed about that because they've worked for ten years in the fucking quarry, like, working their fingers down to the bone. And then this woman is an outside hire that manages to get into the high-rise. Yeah, she just walks straight in. And, uh, yeah, essentially they, they need to, on each floor there's a specific key card to uh, use a gravity lift to go up to the next floor. Um, 
what was lucky is that they get to the first floor and Sean really fucked up. I mean, he fucked up big time because they but James had used symbiotic touch and had actually physically merged with one of the security guards. Yeah, so that meant that I was him and me at the same time. So I basically the tracking trapping is that I absorb everything that he's got, but he's basically useless. So we just went right. He just kind of appear in his torso. Um, yeah, because you're smaller than him. Yeah. So it's just like your face is poking out from his torso, which is covered by armour, to be fair. Yeah. You've got his gun. Yeah. You look like him. You sound like him. Yeah. And uh, it was perfect because then they had free access to the first floor without having to have permission to go in. <laughs> and, of course, Sean goes in, forgets the plan immediately, and his character just goes, he's with me, man. Yeah, I'm, he's I, 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 he's, he's under arrest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was like, Sean, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, did you not hear what you said? Now, not to be a dick here, but I think if somebody's not paying attention, then they need to be punished. And so I could have just said, Sean, remember, uh, so if you want to take that back, you know, you can. But instead, I just went, right, you say that, and now everyone's attacking you. And he was like, oh, shit. And for the rest of the game, he didn't pay attention. So, um, yeah. And But what was cool was then Frankie, he's got, the, he's the, uh, the, the mold man. He's got this fucking ability where he can generate radiation. Now, all it is really is just a damaging spell or mutation. Yeah. But he rolled a fucking 32, meaning that he does a 100-foot fucking radius blast. And that that is like a 100-foot radius sphere, I should say. Yeah, so, so that means he's killed... 50-foot radius in all directions. Oh, 50-foot, yeah. yeah uh, yes, yeah. exactly. Maths. Mm. Um, but he, So he killed everyone on the first floor instantly and quite a lot of people on the second floor as well because it just sort of radiated through. So... Yeah. Yeah, now these guys have been making their way up increasingly absurd floors. So on the bottom, you've got all of these like sort of farmers that have these hydroponic uh, labs growing weed and stuff on the bottom floor. And then the second floor was like sort of working class people, and uh, they they fought them. And now they're onto the third floor where it's like two middle class idiots one of them living in a glass house the other one in a lego house and they've been <laughs> fighting for hundreds of years and they don't even know why and it's just two middle class idiots uh, and it's almost like the the entire floor is also like laden with grass to the point where it looks like a rolling to a rolling field with um, houses opposing at each side and that's sort of where we left it so they're, they're essentially it's like it, it, like a not too subtle reference to d different uh, stratospheres of class in society and all of the flaws represent one of those but by people that don't understand it even slightly yeah which is uh yeah so and that, this is what the people outside worship and they're on the third floor of what they saw from the outside looked to be about seven so but we had to leave the game there unfortunately yeah. it was yeah. like midway through a session but uh they've been up three floors haven't found this bloke's wife yet um, but the, I suppose the other objective is also to uh, find out about any archangel shit going on. While well, I feel there. like we're definitely in a good place to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is this place is extremely strange, and if there's going to be activity of that sort, it's probably going to be here, isn't it? Mm. But yeah, how are you? Um, we what are we eight episodes into MCC now. How do you like it? And uh, how do you think it compares to DCC? Do you think it's better, worse? So I think it's great. I played. Uh, I've played a lot of DCC, and I think I said the other day it's like DCC but on steroids, because yes. everything's a bit more gonzo. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think it's just particularly because of the class that we've picked, because we're children of the light. So we must, uh, if there's a potential of gaining mutations from a radiation source, 
then we will do everything we can um, to try and bathe in the light or well, bathe in the glow. The boss monsters of these archangels emit radiation when they die. And yeah. So it's it. We sort of go over. And your like characters have changed quite a lot from the beginning. Yeah, I've like got better, lost, but also better and worse. Yeah, yeah, but it's um, so that's why I think there's a bit more Gonzo in it, as well as the random encounter table, which kind of almost fucked us. But <laughs> I, was, I suppose that's just part and parcel of the of the system itself. I think it's um, I think it's supposed to be that way. And, and if you wanted less Gonzo, yeah, if you played all humans. It would be slightly less, but then remember that they get artifact bonuses, so mm. they would still have weird abilities. They would just be linked to artifacts, I, and also you'd be seeing a lot of weird shit rather than being the weird shit. Yeah, I feel like this um, MCC uh, gives um, uh, what's it called? Bloody, what's it called? Bloody. Sorry, right, we'll cut this out. Um, you're listening to the Three T RPG podcast. Gives. Fallout. That's it. Um, th- <laughs> there you go. So I've, I think MCC gives Savage Fallout a like a run for its money in terms of post-apocalyptic settings. I'd agree with that, and I, I think I think what I like about it is it's not the same old um, thing where it's like. I mean, there is a survival aspect to it, obviously, but it's not the same old thing where it's like humans, you know, fighting other humans and the real monster is the humans. It's like there's a lot more going on. This is a lot longer after the disaster to where this is just the way in which people live. It's not as if it's like, oh, my God, we're on the brink of destruction any minute. It's like, well, we're a tribe that's living pretty happy out in the woods and now things are happening to us. And that's fucking annoying. Well, how is it written? Because I like... Is it your writing that has, for instance, human artifacts like a Sailor Moon Funko Pop? Um... Oh, that's a lot of that. A lot of that is me. So, okay. but the thing is, I, I the one, but the way the MCC book puts it is that the artifacts in that book, those are just sort of like the best ones, the weapons, the things that you expect in the RPG book. But yeah. anything really can be an artifact, and anything can have an AI built into it, right? Yeah. So you know, we did one where it's like. I've specifically tried to focus on, you know, things that I think are really fucking stupid that people like, that then I, I put as like an artifact, right? But a t-shirt could be an ancient, uh, an artifact of the ancient ones. And that's, you know, the examples it gives in the book. So I guess to an extent, it's a bit of both. It's like, those were my choices. But in the book, it does say, you know, anything could be that. Anything that has a computer in it could have an AI in it as well. So, you know, those shirts you used to get, which, you know, oh, had a screen had LED, on it. Yeah, 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 right. So you could have one of those that has an AI and has a personality and that's <laughs> very in- <laughs> yeah it's like a really intended way to play the game so like yeah you could you could have that and what would be cool is because there's no speaker it would have to communicate using only those LEDs something just fell over on my shelf <laughs> but- <laughs> um, I feel so- like it's it's really well done in that regard in that case because I know it's it's a universe mechanic even though you've trapped it using that mechanic in particular ways that we understand because of our culture and all that um, kind of stuff that we uh, absorb ourselves in, with. Yeah, like modern pop culture yeah. type stuff. So I've, I feel like that trapping um, of that stuff is, is a bit better because it well, makes it more, it's like more kind of on the nose, a bit, a bit funny, but also really... Quite well, it's a, interesting. It, it's also quite a good way because, like, you know, like D and D or DCC or whatever, right? When when somebody tells you you need to go and get treasure, you know yeah. exactly what they mean. Yeah. And in this universe, it's the same because you just go, well, you worship, you know, anything the ancient ones. 
that's good shit. You like that shit. Yeah. So to an extent, you know what treasure is. When you're looking around, if I tell you you get 25 creds worth of treasure, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be T-shirts, postcards. Uh, yeah, it's going to be like random assortment stuff like that. Maybe, right. maybe uh, I don't know, shag bands. But yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. No, I need to put more like early two thousand shit in there. Papa Roach, but it's just a, a, a giant roach that's a dad. I'm losing my mind. What is it? I'm losing my mind. Da, 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 da. Wish somebody would tell me I'm fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I do think the, it's definitely the book is like written in such a way where the. Um, a lot of it is supposed to be silly, but then it's also it's just having fun with what I think. If it was written as a novel that that was taken really seriously, you'd be like, "This is fucking lame." But like, <laughs> he he really has a lot of fun with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they've got the items in there, like Sonic Screwdriver, but it's a Sonic Spanner, like loads of weird shit like that. And then the way it encourages players, but especially a lot of the mutations are fucking insane. Well, some of them, yeah, they're pretty wild. I do love. Uh, the mutations tables. I know they're like, well, just like spell tables um, and DCC, and they just, in, you know, get better depending on what role you get. But I do like how creative they are, such well, as that symbiotic touch and melding with the person I'm trying to control. That's, I mean, that's part of the fun, though, isn't it? Because it's like uh, DCC is fucking amazing, and it probably will be my preference because I'm just more of a fantasy guy. But like mm. the 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 spells in that, if you do flaming hands, you know, a high result on a flaming hand spell is still going to be um, quite predictable. You know, not not like like it's going to do more damage and it'll be a hell. A hell of a lot more fun than doing it in D and D, but like in this, where you've got really weird shit. Sometimes you don't know what's going to happen when you roll a high roll on certain things, like symbiotic touch. We didn't know you would meld with the person. No, not at all. All I wanted to do was control them and like let us through, or just you know do the whole thing of uh, I don't know in games where they can be so distracted that they walk away from the immediate area, even though you're standing in front of them. You know that kind of yeah. And then it's thing. like well. To be fair, it's sort of in the name because you sort of have symbiosis with this man now. Yeah. But like at the highest result, it's like not only are your minds melded, but you're now him yeah. for a bit. <laughs> it's <laughs> good. I, awesome. I like how um, that trapping is as well because it says, yeah, for an entire 24 hours that happens and then uh, the body dissimulates and just like dissolves away as if and then that's it. They're just gone. And now you've got his gun as well. Yeah. That's a really good gun. Yeah. Um what was it? You also got one recently. You got anaerobic, is it? Uh, Where you can survive uh, in uh, under incredible pressure, like very, very far underwater, or is, is yeah, without like needing to uh, breathe and yeah, and or stuff. space, or yeah, mm. fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's a great game. Uh, I'm enjoying the hell out of it, and we'll get back to it next week because we had a break playing Hero Quest, obviously. And that is it for what we've been playing. Yeah, baby. Well, that took fucking ages. Sorry. Shall we do the main subject? Yeah, the only one we didn't say about slaying was Alien, but... Oh, no, we should. We should. We should. All right, and uh, that is not it for what we've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> you no, thought we couldn't talk about what we've been playing anymore? But right, we, we better keep this brief, because we've gone on for fucking ages. Uh, we finally got to the third... Fourth. Third. Fourth. One. Oh, third for me... Fourth, fourth episode fourth of overall yeah yeah sorry yeah, yeah. my bad welcome to the podcast of two old idiots trying to remember how many games <laughs> they put what 
Um, yeah, so fourth episode of the Alien RPG that Nick is kindly running for us over Roll20 slash Discord. Yes, mate. And it's fucking... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and we'll probably... I, I I was speaking to Nick recently. I was hoping to get him back on the podcast for an episode or two and then talk about online games because he's very, very good at running them. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we Alien RPG is fucking... It's great. I mean, the me- mechanics are very good anyway and we've spoken about it on previous podcasts, but specifically the way it deals with stress... Um, insofar as it relates to like in Call of Cthulhu you probably have the insanity be the standing do you know what I mean in this yeah. you've got stress so it's it's. but each stress point impacts your immediate next role yeah and the higher that you can go up the chart like if you're in a high if you've got a lot of stress you actually get more dice that make you succeed but you become then more susceptible to a panic role yeah and the more stress you have, the higher your panic roll is going to be because you just roll a d6 and add the amount of stress you have. So, you like, now I've essentially the, the whole plot is that we were going on to, uh, we were flying our ship to do this delivery, right, for Wayland Utani. And then we find out that there's this old derelict uh, nearby. So, we're taking out a cryo sleep and we have to go and pick it up and salvage it for our company. It's an extra mission we've been given. Yep. Have to salvage crew. Uh, cargo, the ship itself, which means doing a lot of repairs and a lot of exploring of the ship. Which now I'm going to surprise you, listeners. There's our aliens on board. Yeah, there's there's our aliens, aliens, and uh, they're really ang- uh, angry aliens. Yeah, they like it's well, it's straight out of the films, isn't it? Yeah, it's straight out of Compton, but also straight out of the films. But also straight out of space because they're aliens. Straight out of space, Compton, man. <laughs> um. But yeah, and, and you know, we're really compensating. Uh, it doesn't even make sense. Right, right, but anyway, so we're doing this shit, and obviously we've been, uh, for the last two episodes of the actual thing, we've been milling around on this derelict ship where there's aliens about trying to fix it and try and get back to our ship so we can tow the, the old one, right? Yep. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just the, the thing is we've been on there so long, which means that we've built up a lot of stress points and to the point where I, my character finally snapped last game. I'm the captain and <laughs> I, I, there hasn't been a good point to recover stress. I mean, no, what we, we could have done is gone back to our ship, but we were focused on getting the job done quickly so we didn't die. Yeah, we didn't want to have to do this. Like, we're, we're loving the, uh, the storyline very much. But we didn't want to, um, and we didn't want to just sort of like run away and just sort of, you know, like just go and have to sort of replay any events. Yeah, because I mean, if we if we leg it and then the alien just stands at the one entryway we have to the derelict ship, well, we're fucked then, aren't we? So yeah. we might as well, and also we split up as well. Oh, uh, it's so funny because um, splitting the party is always a no-no, but in this system... Um, you sort you sort of have to a little bit. Yeah, but we had a three-way split, which was pretty mad. Yeah, we had the pilot on our ship dealing with this uh, kid who turned out to be an android. We had me and the HR guy going on um, exploring the ship, trying to find any equipment, things like this. Try, mm. and then we had your character and the engineer milling around trying to fix the derelict and obviously getting in contact with aliens, face huggers, eggs, all of this shit. Uh, proper full-on uh, adult xenomorph as well. It was not nice. And uh, so my character finally snapped. Uh, when we were like, 
uh, one movement phase away from going back to our ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I snapped, turned around like fucking Jack Torrent from The Shining with uh, and just stalking after this HR guy. And the, what made me snap was that, that our ship had gone into self-destruct mode because this little kid, this stowaway that we picked up, turned out to be an android who then went down to all of the power area of the ship and got himself fucking killed jumping into the wires. Yeah, on purpose. Uh, and all of his... He had his blood was white because it was blood made of mercury, and it had gone everywhere. And Nick described it as looking like milk. Yeah. And then, of course, the player that were, that had witnessed this got onto his radio and was like, "This everyone come quick! The the androids gone milk." <laughs> it was so weird, but yeah. Uh, so my character snapped and started stalking after the HR guy trying to kill him and uh, uh, somebody, you snapped me out of it, wasn't it? Yeah, so in the end I was like, I want to do everything in my power to try and get my boss out of um, this stupor that she's in. So I uh, put myself in harm's way, walked towards her with the gun facing me and then gave her a hug. Yeah, I, it was very, very nice. It was very a good nice. like, move, like a cinematic move because I feel like the that especially... Obviously, the game that we're playing, the fact we're, that it's and gaming. we're playing a version of the cinematic yeah. rules as well. So, so it, it sort of everything that you do, um, it was really cool to give it a cinematic presence. And I agree, that's and why that, I explained that, it. In that was a nice move because yeah. I think our characters are besties as well. Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the way that we kind of played it out. So it's it's really good fun. So um, it was supposed to be the last episode, but I think we got one left in us because where we left it was that. Was it our ship was buggered and now we're going to have to try and fly the derelict back? Uh, yeah, we're and trying And it's infested to... with all sorts of shit. Yeah, and the cryo-sleep people are about to wake up, but they're infected. Yeah, so, yeah, we uh, yeah we found the crew. They're all in cryo-sleep, but they're, yeah, they're up and they and they, they fucked up. They're going to be aliens, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a hell of a lot of fun and a, a lot of laughs as well. One, one thing that we... <laughs> so we had an air scrubber that cures the air, and one of our characters is... Um, Doing, playing a character with a West Country accent, and we said that the the insult because he said he basically said, um, "Oh, this is all because of that nasty scrubber," as in the broken air scrubber. <laughs> but it sounded like a proper West Country insult. He's like, "You nick my apples, you nasty scrubber." <laughs> um, so I just want people to say that the next game you're at, just say "nasty scrubber" as That'd an insult. Uh, but yeah, Alien. We we've gone on too long, but yeah, Nikki's run an absolute blinding game of Alien online. It was very good. Um, yeah, boy. And uh, that's it. Main subject. Main. Subject ma magic main. Subject Tokyo main. Subject. A good campaign is made up of a number of things: world, story, characters, interesting missions, and so on. And yet, even if you have all of these things, there is one ingredient that, if it's missing, none of these things will matter. And that is keeping your players engaged. It's why all you cunts listening, uh, I mean listeners, uh, <laughs> have tried to read Lord of the Rings eight times and failed to get through it, but can watch the films over and over, because those films are engaging. And your games need that to succeed. And they can be lacking in any number of things, or it's selling in everything. But if your players aren't engaged properly, they will not give a shit. You can be the biggest genius with the greatest world and story and so on, but if you deliver it like the neckbeard virgin you likely are, and I can say that right because I'm a neckbeard virgin, right? So it's not an insult. Yeah. Then nobody will enjoy your game. So that's where we're. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about techniques for engaging your players in meaningful ways and getting them into the game because. I think it it might be the single most important ingredient to any game, right? Well, well, it is, and this is the thing I I really don't like. Like 
hearing in a community like I, I work with someone who plays D&D every Sunday and stuff and then he's told me bits about his his campaign he'd be like oh yeah and just at a random point because um, they play on Discord with cameras on and stuff so at some random point I just um, had some glasses next to me and I put them on and someone's uh, typed a message to me so they looked like security and then slowly all of us found glasses and then they all started pretending to be security they were technically doing it in character as i said but i feel like that deviated so far away from what they were originally accomplishing it's sort of you can tell that yeah that they have yeah. that they they've so they've I, stopped. I hate hearing stuff like that i'm just like ah, all right so um either oh so you, either in my opinion after hearing that story either you your players don't enjoy it or the dm's doing a shit job of well there's yeah there's a lull at that moment yeah, that no, everyone I'm, is latched on to it it annoys me when i hear that because i feel like but there's so much more you could be doing um in game world to make engage the story yeah great and all that stuff but you know i i think that sometimes like and probably that would be my first point is that sometimes that that variation right i don't think you can expect players to be a hundred percent on all the time right that's why that's why things like downtime is is really fucking important because when when it comes to it if you if you're engaged and you're you're really intense the whole time and and all of this downtime is a, is an opportunity to go right what do you do around the town okay yeah i'm gonna fix my house whatever and then, and, and then the players they get a point where they they've got they're engaged in a different way to the main part of the game and like if you look at Nick's Alien game that's perfect for that because it's that's a fucking tense game right and it's yep. it's horrible and it's hard and you really have to be on the ball the entire time otherwise you're going to get either munched or go mental right and and there was a point where we were just doing our uh, you know roles for food and supplies and uh, doing some uh, backstory bits where we had flashbacks right yeah, okay. Now, when we were doing the food and supplies, we were engaged with the game, but at that point, it was from a systemic point of view as opposed to a role-playing point. So having that variance of what you're doing, like if your game was 100% dungeon crawls, that's going to get a little bit dull eventually. There's going to be points where people start not paying attention. And this, we were engaged in the game in a systemic way, but started being a little bit silly outside. Like, Because if you remember... I can't remember, somebody was saying something and I went, right, I'm going to take off two food. Somebody interrupted me and went, shut up. And then we all started going, right, I'll take off two water, shut up, right? Yeah, exactly. Have you yeah, used any air? Shut up. Do that, shut up. And then we're going to just, uh, and then I'm going to move that over there, shut up. So it meant that we were, I think, varying. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty basic stuff, but like yeah. that that was like a method in which you, you can keep your players engaged by going, right, you don't have to be in character the whole time. You don't have to be thinking about what move you're going to do on a monster the whole time. And even like some of the greatest dungeon crawls ever, you know, like uh, Temple of Elemental Evil, that has parts where you're not really supposed to be in the dungeon the whole time. You're going back to the town, you're finding stuff out, you're doing different stuff, and then you go back in, right? Mm. And keeping it varied. I mean, in that particular case, like, yeah, hearing your, your mate's story about how the, they just started fucking around, that's when you know you've lost your players. Yeah. I mean, the worst is when you see somebody then start going on their phone, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the... Uh, but it's, it's a similar genre. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't... Now I know, I know that we're all adults. I don't ban phones at my table because I'm not a cunt. But like the, but we're all adults, and sometimes if you get a message from your wife and you're out, right, it could be something important. So absolutely do check it. But it's when I see players um, uh, on their phone for ages is when I start to realise, okay, I need to do something to change this up. Yeah. It's not necessarily okay. They are the problem a little bit. They do need to pay attention, but. 
to keep people paying attention is what we're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, was TikTok, right? Although I think TikTok is completely substanceless uh, sort of uh, media, it keeps you engaged. Um, it's stimulation. It's not actual entertainment. It's stimulation, right? Yeah. But it keeps you engaged by the virtue of it being in short bursts. And I think if you treat any session as short bursts, Right, and keep it varied enough to the point where each short burst is keeping your players' uh, attention uh, using that sort of method. Right, so combat. Right, you're not just going. Uh, okay, you hit it. You do five damage. What, what are you going to do? It once it hits, have the monster react in in a certain way. Like not making it do a move but let's say for example james you you come in and you do 12 damage to a monster in mcc right mm. i'm gonna say you hit it it screeches and reels back it looks scared now uh looking for another target it's not taking an action but i'd say looking at another target and suddenly its eyes settle on you and i point to another player and go right what are you going to do about it it's your turn <laughs> and then uh, something's happening at every moment it's not just you damage you damage you damage right next turn the monster's going to take a stone you're you're adding to the narrative in short tiny bursts uh, every second of the uh, the game it doesn't have to be anything amazing every time but just like just keeping something happening at all times it's never just something really dull where the world isn't reacting to you if somebody gets hit they react in a funny way a crazy way they change targets they look like you might even just say uh, give the players a hint by going um, he realises now he needs to get into cover you see him iron up that car behind you and he's going to you might think he's going to dive behind it he might not but it gives the players an idea and it gives them something to engage with other than just going okay yeah I'm going to hit it yeah that's true it, um, um, it draws players to thinking a bit more outside the box and to or at least uh think about the world that's around them in that moment yeah because it, it keeps your attention because you're never just letting letting the game just sit there and 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 be static you're always keeping things moving and um i mean i even do that say with social encounters right it, i've seen and i don't mind this at all but i've seen gms where they will have a social encounter where it's one character speaking to another character right the other character the other player characters might be there but it'll be like there's a main one talking to an NPC, right? Yeah. But um, and, and a good way to do this is, like, if there are just three people lurking behind you and they're having an argument with somebody, the NPC's going to go, well, what the fuck are you looking at? Or something like this to one of the other players. Yeah. Like, still keep that short burst mentality in mind because it's like, if you see that the other players aren't joining in in any way, you can you don't necessarily have to have the NPC go, oi, what are you, what are you doing? Or whatever. Yeah. You could just, it's also like, you can just be like, okay, so at this moment you're not there, but you can just play some random NPCs and get involved. Because I've seen it a few times where you have the GM and one player um, role playing out the scene because it's important to the story. And then the other players at the table just start talking. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, because they're just sat there listening and it's like Or like even if they're talking about something coming up, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like use this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do that. That's great and all, but they're not they're engaging all together. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think another good way to do that is like let's say for example, James, you go into a shop, you're bargaining with a bloke about a discount, that's you that's the usual thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it's gone on for fucking ages, which I've seen happen. The other two and the other two players are in the background. I might then go, um, midway through the conversation you'd be like, 
something like, okay, come on, mate, you can at least, you know, sort me out, you know, we're brothers, you know, we live in the same town, and I go, right, roll personality, you roll it, and I go, okay, we'll get to the results of that in a second, right, you, your character, or if, just yeah. for sake of argument, I'm well, like, Sean, exactly... your character's in the background, what's he doing at the moment, he might just be, um, might just be browsing the shelves yep. or he might be that thing that he was discussing that you mentioned he might then go oh well i was just speaking to him uh what i'm gonna do yeah, is, exactly. while this is happening well, i'm gonna sneak up note that i point put down which is about um the spotlight and like moving the spotlight and moving moving the camera focus away from other players um towards those that are either currently unengaged or are likely to or haven't had the spotlight for a while just do that kind of thing around the table where you feel like okay uh, Bob's not said a term, said anything for a while. I'm going to move the camera to to him. He's like, right. So your character's doing what? Like, and then it means that right, they need to either think on their feet and get back into the game, or just describe just what they're doing them. in the background. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, any because then you're you're engaging. I mean, that was my next point as well. And I think two games that do this really well are the Powered by the Apocalypse games yeah. and ICRPG because. Yep. I see they're all turn-based, aren't they? Exactly, they're all turn-based, and it's all about shifting that spotlight. Because if this were a um, if this were a TV show with a big cast of characters, right, and one guy's up the front having a hilarious argument with the shopkeeper, it would, at the boring parts of that conversation, cut back to the other players just being like, oh, fuck. even if they're just in the background going, when the fuck is he going to be done with this? Why does he care so much about a discount? That's something, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're keeping every player engaged in that short-burst mentality. If you... I mean, at most three to five minutes uh, of the discussion or of whatever, like, but at, at best, you really want to have it like one to two minutes per player at any yeah. given time. And we have had it um, at a table where, for instance, there's a scene going on just between two people, the DM and one of the players. And we've had moments where the DM will go, oh, I'll get back to you guys in, in just a second. But then... The rest of us at the table go, no, by all means, don't, because we are engaged in this, you know? like. But you're are... acknowledging the other people at the table, yeah, yeah, at yeah. least. That's the point. It's like, yeah. acknowledge that they maybe haven't had a turn yet, but if they are actually still engaged, and, and that's true, then fine, go with it, but go with what the table wants as well, because you can't just be like, for the sake of engagement, I'm just going to push over to you guys, because they were fully engaged in the situation that was currently unfolding in front of them. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll often do that where I just, if, if the scene that's happening is really important, I will just tell the other players, right, give me a couple of minutes, we'll be back to you in a second. And then that gives them thinking about what they're going to do as well. So, yeah, yeah. very good point. Very good point by us. Um, <laughs> now, I've also, I've also, there's another one that I like to do during fights, right, is that... Um, to keep a player engaged with the story so that, that you, you really don't want to what you want to avoid is, is is like combat uh, bizarrely can be one of the least engaging parts of a game if it's done badly do you know what i mean because mm. if it's just going around doing turns of hitting marking off hp you know it's in something like hero quest that's fine because things die really quickly yep. but in something like an rpg where things can have a lot of hit points i've often found there's a technique i learned of uh, brendan lasalle who's i think works for goodman games i don't know I, I think he does but um he'll do this thing where he'll try and rile players up right so yeah. it could be that the monster will then uh, after taking an attack if it's the next player's turn he, you'd be like and the monster starts insulting your mum are you going to take that shit <laughs> and, and then and then it's like that player's like no I'm not going to take that fucking shit and instead of going 
Um, oh yeah, I was just hit him with my short sword. You suddenly get them going, right, I'll run up, I'm going to punch him in the fucking stomach and then uppercut him with my sword. And it's like, there we go. It's the same fucking action, but at the end of the day, you're like... You're giving you're them ju- a reason to be annoyed at them. Like a bit more... A bit more so than um, what they think their character would be at the time, but perhaps it makes sense because yeah, you're sort of you're getting them to hate the monsters a little mm. bit or whatever, you know, like riling them up. It could, but it could be sort of uh, in any way where you could get it to where if if it's just a bar scene and the guys are just like right, I I'm eating dinner. And it's like it's dull. You get the other two players at the table, the other three players. They're just, they're just. While well, one guy's making a really elaborate order and trying to get all the bar wenches right, mm. the other players just want to eat their dinner and go to bed. You uh, just, just roll them up a little bit, get them into it. Maybe somebody passes their table and spills their drink and refuses to pay pay for it. Maybe somebody comes up and goes, "Yeah, you think you can only a drink, can you? Yeah, yeah, you fucking can." Well, he's got one like even, for instance, um, I just thought of it now in. In terms of if there's a scene being played out for in a bar, for instance, and then uh, a particular player is currently gathering information and the other players don't seem too fussed about doing anything, therefore they seem not that engaged, potentially, um, you could just be like, oh, well, you see an altercation happening in the corner. Uh, um, a woman's getting rowdy uh, and uh, squaring up to some bloke and she's just fashed a, a drink all over his face or... Or something like that and it's like are you going to respond to that or what are you going to do and then they might start getting involved in that scene or well, yeah exactly then they've got something like if you if, if they're just sitting there yeah yeah like just give them something to do something something that makes them feel something if they've got nothing to do in the pub that night and yeah. just want to go to bed you know feel it out but at the end of the day you're never just going to go to the pub and well, see nothing and also they're always going to have a response to to what you say because you, you could play that scene in front of them and they just go yeah well i tell you what um i'm actually going to ignore that i'm going to finish my drink go up to bed um and make sure i get a really good rest for the night but that means that they they are thinking forwards about their character yeah they're still they're still engaging because they're doing something you know yeah, what i mean so it's yeah. just like you just don't want to miss anyone out um in in that regard if if they're not being involved. I think in... it's. I think it's like it's, it's about not being boring, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's like each scene has got to be colourful, right? Um, I I don't think. Uh, I, I don't think like go on about each scene and make every scene fucking I- impactful but add a little bit of colour. Don't go on about it for ages, obviously, because yeah. that's another tip. Don't go on about it for ages, right? Descriptions well, just give what you need. Well, it's like that description with the bar fight, for instance. Go, oh, yeah, you see in the corner someone spills a drink over them and they start getting rowdy to each other. How do you respond? And that's it. It might, be, yeah, it might even be, no, it might even be nothing. It might turn yeah. out that they just shake hands and go, "Oh God, I'm so sorry." Yeah. But the player might go, oh, "I want to sit there and watch." But you're giving them something. If they, if you see them completely unengaged, just go. You go to the pub. What do you want to do? And they go, "I don't know." Just go. All right. Well, you're sitting there and this, this, and this. Yeah. Um. And and uh, another tip I actually had was that, like I said, is this uh, describe what's going on, but only what's relevant, right? Because yeah. you can get boring real oh, fucking fast. i tell you fast. what, the relevancy is so key because, and and before you carry on, Harrison, because we've been trapped um, in uh, someone allowing us full agency to explore some a dead end, basically. Mm-hmm. And it is the most demeaning thing 
I think that could happen. It's like a genuine half an hour of actual time spent on something that was pointless in game. That so our not... characters might have realised was fucking pointless like, had it just been described. Yeah. Had the relevant information been given to us. Like if you're playing a video game and that happens, you're playing a video game and that happens. But when you're role playing tabletop RPG, you do expect to be told. By the way, guys, um, this seems like a pointless effort because you realise X, Y, Z, and it's just like you, it's pointless doing this. Right, and I'm just I'm going to say it. Right, it was during the Icewind Dale campaign that we played, and it was there. There, there was a dock, and we went there, and we uh, we've been dealing with ice giants for quite some time. That was the campaign baddie, right? And we get to this dock, and there is an ice ship there, right? Now. It was we we realised that there's got to be a clue on that fucking boat, right? Yeah. We there's got to be a fucking clue on that boat. It's an ice ship, right? Yeah, it's we spent to us in quite details, well. a massive detail. We spent half an hour fucking around on it. I need to find out that it wasn't relevant to the point where this is the thing that will actively disengage your players from the game because if they realise that. The GM might just pull out at any point, oh yeah, you go on there and it's completely fucking pointless. Why doesn't he just go, okay, passive perception, you look at the ice boat and you realise there's nobody on it. If he didn't want us fucking around on the boat... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If he didn't want us on that boat fucking around wasting time, all he needed to do was just say that. Even if one of us goes, goes, uh, yeah, we got to to search the boat, mate. We got to search the fucking boat. And and he could just say, okay, you search the boat, nothing's there. Yeah, you have a look on it and you can see that there's nothing there. It's basically melting, end of story. And and I, I feel like as well there's there's the the opposite. <laughs> my son is in the kitchen at the moment. Uh, I believe my wife is making him lunch, and he's he's asking for lunch. Uh, you'll get used to it, fans, f- not fans, listeners. Um, yeah, like descri- describing what, what is relevant, right? Is if and I said this before. If you if I tell you you go into the mayor's house. Um, he's an incredibly rich man, and his room is, is lavish in every way. That's enough. You don't have to describe how fucking nice his chair is. Uh, And and if, say, for example, you do want to describe how nice his chair is, well, it probably should be relevant to the plot. Perhaps he's got if he if the man's sitting there on a gold plated chair, you know you know something's up. Yeah, and that's relevant. Or you do it with either part of the plot or for um, a rare joke, where, for instance, you do a monologue for half a minute longer than it should be. But, but emphasis on half a minute, not. But that, yeah, I mean that that would be um, that would be kind of funny. Yeah, and then you just go at the end, and yeah, and then it's pointless, and then he just goes to sleep. Well, you know, something like that, where it's just. Like, well, I mean, I mean, speaking about that, was there was there was a one where you used the game mechanics as a joke once in an actual funny way that oh, yeah. didn't actually affect the game, but it was like. It was just funny. It was there to be funny. And it was like, we went down this mine, went all through the mine shaft, yeah, killing... like dungeon crawl type situation. Got to the boss, and then afterwards, obviously, James just... <laughs> he didn't want us to go back through the dungeon, because that would just be boring, right? So he just went, oh, and you see a massive lit-up sign saying, here's the lift. You didn't notice on your end. But that's just a joke. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, that is relevant easy. information, but I, th- I thought it was really funny. And yeah. you were using the game mechanics as a joke. But then, also, describing exactly what is relevant, if, it, like, like, if you go into a pub right and you say oh it looks like it's sort of a middle class pub the the tables are a lot nicer here and the bar person's wearing a tie that's it that's all you need if you go on for it any longer than you need to that's when players are going to get fucking bored so just describe what's relevant i mean there is a point where it can like reading temple of elemental evil some of the descriptions in there are pages long right well this is the thing as as well you you can just say uh 
players of if if you've really got an eclectic group of players at your table you can go okay what kind of descriptions do you want do you want in-depth ones so you can see what i'm seeing or do you want um hard and fast so you can just get on with the gameplay i I often often would go for the latter but yeah, yeah exactly yeah ask people as well and um i think uh the trouble is with uh, describe. I, I also think like describing everything in this big flowery medieval way, where you where you try to make everything sound really intellectual, is kind of is also a way sometimes to disengage players. Maybe the way people speak or the way you describe them, like he's wearing a leather, leather jerkin or whatever, like that's fine. But like. If I just tell you, uh, uh, I, instead of going, the town itself would dwarf even the biggest cities known to man, I, I just go, it's fucking massive. There's buildings everywhere. It, the, the streets are fucking crowded with people. That's enough. It's good enough. Yep. Just don't be boring. Don't be boring about it. Um, in addition to this, uh, I also think that so, sometimes people can get disengaged, right? We had that bloke. Do you remember he messaging about his Call of Duty players who didn't take notes? Yeah. Um, and I think it's sometimes hard for players to engage when they don't necessarily know exactly what's going on. And I, what I do, my my thing is that I add gentle reminders into your into my descriptions, right? Just little ones. So I'll just be. Um, let's say, for example, um, you've been tracking down this bloke that I don't know killed somebody or whatever, right? You end up at his his house, then you end the session right or you take a break when you come back you'd be like you instead of just saying right you're outside this massive house of this guy have insert name here uh, what do you want to do you go right you're outside of the at the house of the man that killed so and so and it looks like he's gotten rich off of his decision or something you know to, just a reminder just add it in there mm. just be like when you confront the boss you'd be like you're looking at the man who killed your uh, friend do you know what I mean or you're looking at the man who has stolen all the gold from the vaults of wherever you know what I mean like just add little descriptions in there yeah, to keep add, players engaged and yeah. remind them why they give a shit about this situation yeah I mean ideally they would remember all the time but people just don't they're complicated games with a lot happening so uh, at the end of the day they're just not always going to so just adding a little reminder like that also baits into the thing of trying to rile the players up in certain ways well, I've got a good like point that I wrote down and I, I, we kind of touched upon it already but it's also to try and um, I feel like it's more of a shock tactic used on purpose um, but can actually be used to your advantage as a technique which is to um, air quotes pick on players so during whatever's going on during a scene of something you just be like right so what are you doing but like you know just like, so so we What's your character doing then, eh? We've just entered this and you've said, like, you know, you're not saying this out loud, but that you they've just entered something, that person's not paying attention. So you just go, right, so what are you doing then? Uh, honestly, it's a good tactic. I mean, because it, 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 I, I do it often, and the reason is, is because... Um, you know, right? Yeah. If somebody's sitting there and, and they look like they're spaced out a little bit, if there's the constant looming threat that they might be picked on any minute, they're always going to be thinking about what their character might be doing, yeah. right? And it's, it doesn't have to be aggressive, but, I mean, often if the character's not, you know, a lot of the onus actually is on the players to pay attention, but keeping them engaged is like, what well, is the job of the GM? And doing that, if I'd say, right, what are you doing at this time? Then they know, 
they know that they should be paying fucking attention and yeah, they will pay attention. It just means that, that from that point onwards, I mean, I mean, and even we've had it at our table, we just be like, oh, you've got to pay attention, man. You know, just be like, okay, so you won't pay attention, fine, but please start paying attention. And then it's just like, here's a recap. Three seconds later, that's the recap done. Because I think, I think that paying attention and being engaged to an extent are, they're very, very linked. Yep. But uh, keeping a player engaged is is using these tactics to make them pay attention as well. It's like it's like one leads into the other. Um, but yes, that's a very very good point. Also, um, have a speaker with the very loud jarring noises on it. You know, like if somebody if you notice that there's a lull, a big a very very loud explosion sound is really gonna really gonna fuck everyone up. <laughs> know what I mean? Yes, mate. Um, I also thought um, well, probably my last tip is you've got a, and, and this is like also just a general DM tip but in terms of keeping people engaged be the player's biggest fan like the players and the characters right you want to you want to if uh, oh yeah we you, spoke about this a moment ago the positive encouragement yes we, we went for a break and we were talking about this you've got a one uh, to be the biggest player's biggest fan we like James was speaking about this it's like Recently, some uh, Sean's character, he's been through a fucking horrible time in MCC. I mean, not my fault, right? I'm rolling everything out in the open, and I'll go, right, he's going to hit. I roll. It's Sean every fucking time for some reason. I don't know what is wrong with my dice, but he's been through some bad shit. He's lost some of his better mutations. He's gained a lot of defects. He's um, nearly died several times and has gone down a lot of times. And it's like there was a point where... Uh, when they guys, when the guys are fighting the the cactus thing, and you know he he mind blasted it, and then chucked the rifle over to the other guy, Sean um, sort of celebrated and went, "Yes, I did something," because he spent a lot of he spent a lot of the fights on the ground or just being absolutely destroyed, and it was like, with at this point. I, I, I was like, I needed to tell Sean, like, no, you contributed in a lot of meaningful ways, and here's how. Yeah. And it's like, both being a fan of Unit, despite the fact that he's gone through a shit time and hasn't been necessarily as effective as the other players, there are situations in which the other players would have died if not yeah. for his character, I and I don't think getting, he necessarily yeah, realised it. Yeah, mistaken by a lot of what's happening because of the mutations and the situations we've got ourselves in. Um, a lot of uh, what, say, for instance... Uh, a lot of my, bad luck. Yeah, a lot of bad luck. But so, say, for instance, what, say, me and JT have contributed. They've been quite grandiose because of the situation. So Sean's contribution, where it hasn't, say, popped off how he's wanted to, has been a small success, but it's still a success. But the sound heavily... Yeah. Well, because you, when you look at the characters, you've got your electrical generation. It's not a balanced game, right? No. And the electrical generation is very powerful. The fucking uh, radiation generation is very powerful. Um, Sean's got, like, he can extend his arms 15 feet, so he can attack people from three squares away. Yeah, or he can um, get big or small. He can get big or small, but which sometimes is... sometimes they, they're good and bad pop-offs, like that time when he wanted to get a little bit bigger, but then shot through the roof of the shopping mall. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's there's been a lot of situations like that, and it's like, well, he, he, but he has contributed in a lot of ways. Like, he's... If we were to look at it, like, from an MMO point of view, his fucking character, he's the damage per second guy. The other guys are the tanks, right? They're doing the big hits the things like this but sean is the one he's taken out all of the little monsters and he's 
killing people left, right, and centre. He's he's a valuable member of the team. But I think sometimes when you spend a whole fight like in a facility one, where he was on the ground for the entire fight, because he got it's like when my Belinda character from Solomon Kane never once managed to do the entangle roll. You never did a successful spell until the last fight. Yeah, and she was a witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it was like that that was it but you're yeah i guess trying to make the characters if it's not it's not trying to make them feel as if they had a meaningful com- contribution but it's bigging them up when they do being their yeah. biggest fan like i like you Nick, uh sean's character a lot because he's funny and he's got personality and he's useful in a fight not only that but his powers are weird and make him and it's like being the players and characters biggest fans means that you always want to see what they do next the thing is is i feel like um because sean in this setting i think this may be something he can't do his typical i'm gonna get some shaving foam and then put some hair in it and then burn it and then make like a a shaving foam bomb out of sean loves to make strange items yeah so i feel like in this universe in this game that ability is kind of lost a bit i think what he has to remember though and and, it, and this is like i know it's about a specific person at this point but is that in this universe he is the weird item yeah his the mutations can be used in all manner of creative ways and and i think he really really has is sort of starting to settle into that but it's like yeah i guess for a little while maybe i needed to be i think i, I think i did a fairly decent job of bigging up when he did something cool but it's like yeah, it's that being a fan and the the positive encouragement needs to needs to be there. And I feel like sometimes when you're just being like, "That was fucking awesome," like yeah. if you've got those moments, that really helps. But well, it can we, seem patronising. And I think things like luck and Benny's and yeah. things like this really, really help. Well, if we take the spotlight away from uh, Sean for a minute and just talk about um, players at the table in general, for instance, if someone um, accomplishes something. And then their celebration isn't sort of that great, and they're sort of just like, oh yeah, yeah, I did that. And be like, no, mate, like that was that was fantastic. Like you do understand what that means for the rest of the players, right? And then it's sort of that kind of positive uh, encouragement and reinforcement and all that stuff will actually make them think, oh, actually, that was way better than I thought it was because they perhaps lost sight of the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. So it's I- that kind of stuff where you, if you have the ability to. Uh, you, you can have the ability to get the players at the table more engaged because like, other people would also go, actually, yeah, that was a great thing that just happened. Do you know one of the best ways to do this, though, is the, you know, when uh, everyone has a story like this where, where the players will come in to your very cleverly made encounter and they will just fuck it up in yeah. a second, right? And you're like, it's the, it's the whole just tearing the page out of your book, screwing it up and putting it in the bin. Or like just going right. Guess I don't need those notes then. That took me weeks. And uh, <laughs> every time you do that, like, and honestly, it's genuine. But every time you do that, the players would just be like, "Yes, it's the fuck you." Man. I was talking about. Uh, I was talking to a friend of the show, Gary McCallum, recently because he's been playing in a DCC game for yeah. a while. Boy, and he was saying that um, the GM was really pissed off because there was an encounter with some wolves in the woods, which doesn't sound that great anyway. But like <laughs> the. Um, uh, the wizard cast a sleep spell, rolled really high. All the wolves went to sleep, and then they just walked around just executing them. Uh, <laughs> so that vegan player would have a very big problem with. Uh, by executing, I meant um, sent them off to a nice sleep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, he said the GM was like kind of annoyed, and I was like, but why? Like if you're your if you're your character's biggest fans, they've just f- fucked an encounter that could have killed them. That's cool. 
That's true, yeah. And like, like just being like fucking amazing move and applauding the players is a lot more engaging than being like, oh, you fuck my encounter. Well, think like, about the amount of times we did that to Sean. I mean, he was GMing. Oh my god! And we just we managed to, and it was um, it was luck, but careful planning, because well, we were so engaged. We managed well, to. Well, and Sean is great at that as well because he 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 sees the amusement in when we managed to filter around an encounter and like I remember he had a whole night of Call of Cthulhu gaming planned once and we solved it in an hour and he was just like you guys are fucking amazing and I was just like see that's what that's the attitude you need to have going in right yeah. that's way more engaging than being annoyed that the players aren't getting your great story because to be honest your great story is made by the players right yeah. and keeping them engaged and involved in it is so fucking important and yeah I, I like it when players find clever ways around shit mostly yeah but sometimes not I've still got um, a couple of notes on how to keep the player engaged and one of them players engaged um, one of them is if you if there's a lot at the table we've definitely done this before it's like breathe a bit of fresh air into the players at the table go for a break away from the table even if like even if you're not smokers or whatever just be like alright cool everyone to sort of stand up stretch your legs come to the kitchen make a drink or something like that or or just move away or just stand up and sort of talk about what has currently happened in the session yes. and what I plan on doing next because then that will refocus people because sometimes it's just like like say for instance I've done it where I haven't necessarily just disengaged on purpose but i've suddenly got confused and then i've lost track of what's going on well this is this is what i was going to say as well because like you do i've definitely done that before where i just need to take a quick breather and for you just to go right so what's just can you just describe to me what's going on again yeah right then you're not interrupting the game you're not you're you're trying to re-engage with it and if you can see that happening just take yeah do exactly what you said take a break and just you tell your players right so this is this is the situation. What do you think you guys are going to do? Yeah, because it means you kind of take the pressure off for a bit because uh, sometimes maybe at the gaming table there's pressure to uh, consistently interact. Yes, and with with that, then you you just go right. Well, look, if you I can tell you're thinking about it, so here's what's the situation. Let's 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 have a little breather and let's talk about what you guys want to do. Yeah. And actually, I often do that when it gets to like a sort of an apex type moment where it's like what shit's about to pop off let's have a regroup and talk about shit yeah yeah and that's actually a very good moment to do it even if your players are engaged Mm -hmm. because then that means that they're more likely to remain engaged afterwards because they've got um a breather from the intensity of what's happening Mm -hmm. um and also a bit uh, of the ability to kind of do some calculations like they would if they were playing a video game absolutely yeah. Thinking, yeah press yeah. pause and go right how am i going to tackle what the this fuck am i going to do yeah yeah exactly good point um i i've got one last one actually that i missed earlier but it was be energetic i oh, can't yeah. i can't stress this enough i've I, like well i mean that goes without saying isn't it if you sit it's going yeah so i'm gonna just so you hit him yeah well done uh next turn sean it's gonna be you yeah okay that because yeah, yeah. this is a game all about imagination but you shouldn't have to imagine the fucking the energy do you know what i mean i mean like fucking i i think i was i'm I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say more more is always better than less when it comes to energy. Even if you're so energetic it's annoying, that's better than you be boring. Well, we've done it so many times, I think, at the table. Every single one of us has gotten really, really 
hyper about the situation we're in and nine times out of ten we just go ah oh my god oh i'm so sorry I'm well it's like the other day when you had sex with tobuscus's bin because you've got a good role oh yeah uh, so James, James rolled really well on a mutation roll. I jumped out. Got so excited that he then and then he started humping his pin. Yeah. Oh, it's funny as shit. But yeah, I I think I think go more more is better than less, and I I'll even do it to the point where it's it's over the top, right? You don't want to be to the point where you're really cringy to where you're you're speaking about it in this fantastical Shakespeare way. But like actually, even that would be pretty cool. But <laughs> but I, I like I like I often do the thing where if I roll a really good hit against the play and sean gets annoyed by this but i go yeah like this right in somebody's face and then um, also like i often do things where i go really over the top like i'd be like right the robot comes up and he fires his uh, chain gun at you and uh, and cuts through you like the worm you are or something like this even that's better because it's like yeah you're joking about it but it's fucking funny and the players will hate it especially if you get enthusiastic about you killing them they'll just be like you know not 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 for real but they'll be like fuck you i'm gonna fuck you up and, and it's also like, it's like the, what we touched upon earlier about the positive encouragement and all that shit it's like when you're celebrating something like we often you know any critical kind of success everyone's like foo 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 everyone kind of gets really hype about the role being so good and we're like oh yes yes whoa, whoa. but it's like celebrating when the players are doing something good yeah we go mental man right have all the memes going on fucking sound effects oh it's man no- we were doing some roaring voices the other day at Tobuscus' house <laughs> we got really good told to be quiet like yeah, several times somebody got all uh, in Hero Quest, you have to get skulls to get damage. I think somebody rolled all skulls, and then we were going, yes! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I think even in a serious game, that's important because yeah. you have to acknowledge that you are players playing the game as well as the game itself. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're if you're sitting there, even during a serious game, if you've killed a f- if you kill one of the bad guys' cronies that's been trying to fuck you up, and everyone starts cheering at the table, it's not taken away from the game; it's adding to it. Yeah, because you get to you get to celebrate as the uh, as the party. One you? might argue that having sex with a bin mid-game is a little bit silly, but actually, it's James being excited about a role, making everyone laugh, and therefore excited about the role as well. Open the bin lid, smashing it on my plate, none. And now it's <laughs> just <laughs> now like there's little bins expected in about eight months' time. <laughs> but Sean's been pretty on the ball with it. You know what, what annoys me is usually when it comes to the the meme keyboard and like somebody celebrating a crit. I don't care how you do it. You could let a fireworks; it'll be fucking awesome. But Sean will do it with a meme keyboard. Where, uh, but he's he's got an unbelievably long password on his phone. Yeah. And always I see someone crit and he's like trying to just quickly scramble it into his phone. But then the last session we were playing Hero Quest, he was on the ball as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. It just had such weird sounds. He had on some it. really good ones that, that popped off at perfect moments as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that, that's it for my advice. Have you got any more? I've got one last one left. And it's not that we currently use this in efforts to re engage people, but it can be used, I think in efforts to have certain people who may be not as engaged as you'd like them to, which is give them specific roles. Like, for instance, uh, every now and then, depending on what's going on in the party, one of us typically nowadays ends up being the party's accountant. The bank. Yes. You know, um, uh, listener of the show, Conrad, he does this. Yeah. Um, And he, uh, like, even to the point where... So when I was playing in Sean's campaign, I 
know that because I'm always in GM mode and my mind's going 10 miles a minute, I can be overbearing in a game when I try to take the spotlight too often. Now, I know that any normal rational adult would just go, well, don't do that then. And it's like, well, it's not that simple because I'm an idiot. So my, I, I was in charge of the music. Yeah. And that meant that I was engaged by listening all the time trying to pick relevant tracks for what's going on it's not like where i'm completely distracted with it i mean it would be like more like i'll change the music when we get into a fight put yeah. on cool boss music for a travel boss travel music travel music this that, and the other yeah. and so it's like every every you know half an hour or so I, i'm selecting a new playlist putting on cool music that gets everyone g'd up as well yeah and conrad he does this where it'll be like okay you're going to be handing out bennies for tonight you're going to be um handing out the initiative cards or you yeah, you're, you're the accountant tracker. kill tracker yeah That'd yeah be a good one to start imposing on, on certain people like you're tracking the kills this session you're tracking the the enemies and uh, if you're talking or something if like we're that. talking old school gaming as well i mean it, you, you could have somebody be the map drawer somebody be yep. the accountant yep. somebody to just say right this is gonna you're gonna need to take some notes so just take a couple of notes here and there as we play give someone a role that's such a good idea I, we don't do it as much in fact i almost never do it but well, yeah maybe we I should. don't necessarily need to not necessarily. So, but I do. I do like it when I give jobs to players. But then it also means I have to give them an extra penny or whatever. I don't like doing that because you're scum. Uh, fuck you, man. Yep. But no, that is a very, very, very good suggestion. One that I don't think is utilised enough. Well, that is it. That's those are the tips for keeping your players engaged. I would also, if there's anything that we've missed, send it in and we'll read it out in the feedback because I'm sure there is something we've missed. Well, yeah, just give us tips as well because like oh, God knows I need them. My I mean, players are idiots. Yeah, we are. It's true. Yep. Fact. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Shall we do some questions? Yeah. You got any? What's one plus one? Nothing. Um. <laughs> Brilliant. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. First one, uh, this is Electro Letters, where we take your correspondence. Bear in mind, you've got to go onto the Discord. It's in the description for all these podcasts. Yeah, we've and, kind uh, of like moved away from any other avenue of, of, of it. and just Because nobody the... uses Facebook anymore, and I don't use Twitter, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so have a look in the description. Go onto the Discord if you want to submit questions, or email us on... The 3T, email. 3trpgpod at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> just figure it out alright <laughs> fuck's sake um, pistachio cultist of Sean he says question do you twats ever buy RPGs that's not a word RPG books that for whatever reason you never get around to using whether you think it makes a nice collectible or perhaps you can't convince your mates to dig into it what's the one neglected game currently sitting on your shelf that you would like to crack open uh, Harris has done this a million times I th- oh all the time and 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 to be honest he's bought them and sold them on and we've never played them ever well because the, the thing is sometimes I'll buy something and then read it and feel like there's another system that I know does it better or something like this um, but yeah I do it all the fucking time I do it all the time what but, have you got on yourself that you can see right now that we haven't played so, yet so I, but this is one I definitely am going to play the yeah. only thing is that, uh, so Aces and Eights is my current one which mm. looks amazing and it's a very simulation heavy cowboy game um, and uh, 
it's um, essentially that one has uh, been neglected on my shelf for a while simply because I, when the new Deadlands came out, I ran an entire campaign in that. And I thought, oh, best yeah. have a little bit of a break before we get back to something did, Western it, themed. It came out and it overtook cases of eight. Yeah, well, that was really why. And um, yeah, it happens It happens to me all the time. Uh, I'm lucky because I, our players are really willing to try anything. Uh, sometimes that doesn't work out. Uh for example, when we decided to do a bum conga. Oh, yeah. Um, yummy. But uh, very painful. Very painful. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of those. I've got a lot of those. I mean, but then I, I don't like reading on a screen. So I never really get to the point. Like, I know a lot of people, they'll pirate a book, have a look at it, see if it's something they're willing to do. But uh, I don't like reading off a screen. So often I'll buy something thinking that it sounds like the next best thing since like, just sliced bitches. And then I'm like, well, it's not for me. But uh, I think at the moment I've whittled down my collection to the point where it's all stuff I really want to use. Yeah. But like East Texas University, I've ran it twice ever, and they were one shots, and I've had it for years. And I, but I know at some point in my life I would get round to running it. But um, yeah, it's just sat there because it's just the right time hasn't come up. Because I have to be really enthused about an idea to do a campaign of it. Do you know what I mean? Well, Otherwise, yeah, you, well, that's the whole thing about what we're saying. If you're not passionate about the game you're running, how can you keep the players engaged? Yeah, yeah, another good point. Yeah, how about you, James? Me, uh, I got loads of stuff, mate. Absolutely <laughs> tons. I, I, you know, I buy so many RPG. He, books. J- James is not the. He's more of a uh, a player. Yeah, I'm definitely a player. Although I do have um, Tiny Dungeon. I really, really want you to run that. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, yeah. that was a, a wonderful gift. Because I know that you, I, I know that you were a bit uh, hesitant to run another campaign because the, there were some things in your first one that you've felt didn't go as well as you wanted them to but then it was your first ever one and it was really fun like there were some bits that were like okay okay he's trying to fuck us but then <laughs> but but other than that like all of the bits where we were doing stuff were so much fun like that dungeon crawl that we talked about with the mine and was the really fucking good <laughs> and that that lift at the end and then also there was a bit where we fought someone in a bar and it was one of the most tense fights i've ever seen in a oh, game yeah because they went underneath and arena match that was fucking awesome i mean it was it was great man well i think i think just get back into it and run like a five shot or something like this like just I'll to get to, started um i'll have to start planning one and then eventually in one or two years when we get to our 10 year anniversary uh, maybe I can run some. Yes, so that'll be good. Um, yeah, and Tiny Dungeon's a really great game as well. Like, I mean, we played it a little bit during the Cyberpunk campaign, which is insane. But yeah, it's a really, really great game. Um, I think you would love it. And also, it's you know made for shorter campaigns. So I think, I think, yeah, just just get back into it, mate. Crack it out, bro. Uh, Elissa Tiltid loves cock which uh, that's the name by the way uh, he says which option is the best eat a meal before the game eat a meal during the game eat a meal after the game before yes thousand percent or no or after it depends what time of day you're doing it but typically ours is in the evening always eat your meal before we for a little while did a bit of eat during and we I'm not gonna lie I think we absolutely detest that now I fucking hate it, and I always have. And I, I like no offense to anyone that's done it at our table, but offense though. Uh, well, he asked the question because he says he always plays at lunch, which is eleven to three, or four to eight, which is dinner. So you really got no option. But here's my opinion on it, right? If you're well, playing, if you make sure, right? If it's lunch, two, two, two points. One, make sure that whatever your lunch is is uh, ready, available, easy to eat. Two nothing smelly take, yeah take a break in order to consume it 
do it on a break. Yeah, well, here's the thing, right? Say, for example, the few times where I haven't eaten, because we play at seven every week, right? Mm. Which is just after dinner time. Sean eats his dinner at five o'clock, which is fucked up. But hey, that's early, man. I thought I was so early. early. Mine's like between six and seven. Is my Mine's usually seven or eight. Oh. But, um, I, I, right, the few times where I haven't eaten dinner before I've come to the game, right? Now we always actually meet up and have dinner at the pub before we go into the game. But um, before, when, like, if I hadn't eaten, I would get, you know, meal deal from Sano's or Tesco's or something like this. Yeah, something just that's get, like, like easy to munch. Yeah, a sandwich, something like this. Sean, what he always does is he, he he's just, for some reason, once a week, when he hasn't eaten dinner, he, can't, he just can't go without having a, a massive hot meal. It's like, but a sandwich, a packet of crisps and a nice drink, that's enough to keep you going yeah. for the game. Just have yeah. that. Something not invasive. But he'll eat a fucking pizza, and he's never paid for his own heating, right? Because he lives in a share house currently. Uh, and he before that lived at another share house and then our, our mum's right so my point is he's never paid for heating and when he always comes in and he goes can I use your oven it's like you that is speaking as a man who's never had to pay for it just putting it on for a pizza everywhere it's so fucking annoying <laughs> especially when I've just eaten my dinner I've turned that oven off and then to heat it all the way back up with all that energy yeah. um, uh, that, and, and then like the pizza's such a big thing at a table yeah. You look out, so space is such a premium on our relatively small tables, right? And it's yeah. like, then you've got pizza there, and I always find fucking old-ass cheese grease all over his character sheet. Yeah, it is a bit annoying when that kind of stuff happens. And, and like, Ryan, uh, one of our old players, used to do it as well. Yeah, but he used to, he'd hold his plate the whole time. And he would offer slices around. <laughs> that's it, that's important. That would, that butters me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're going to do it like that, if it's your house, you can yeah, you use your own oven. You're allowed with our permission. But it's like you've got to just do it in, in a respectful way because you can't just be like, mate, I'm eating dinner. It's like, okay, but we have planned to game. It's, we've, we're we're ga- this is gaming time. Yeah. Have a fucking sandwich quite, and um, take bites of it while you play. We're quite militant with our gaming time. <laughs> yeah, if it gets, well, we, no, but if we, it gets interrupted, you can fuck off. You know what it is though is that is that we we get we have one day a week where we game right and it should be uh, like like it's it's a social thing but first and foremost it's about it's a gaming social thing right it's both of those we're things at the same fucking time we're contributing to a story that we're that we're creating and all part of yeah and I feel like I feel like then if a player's then having to fuck off to try and cut up a pizza and all of this now I've got to give a massive shout out to Owen Lean because he did it the best fucking way which is where. Um, when he the campaign that I played in his he would invite everyone round to his two hours early for dinner. Now the idea is is that that means everyone's eating. Happy yeah. days, right? And then we start then we start the game in at seven, and it, the the implication being that if you're not coming to his for dinner, eat something on the way. Simple as. And then he would often yeah. actually make cooked snacks to have at the table, which is pretty fucking nice, like nachos, chicken wings, or something like this. Chicken wings. At the time, I'll I, tell you I, what, it's difficult to. Uh... To, to do that though it'd be like chicken wings yeah if everyone's got their own personal bib or fucking cloth because imagine mucking that's up the, the... that is the worst gaming food surely chicken well wings. actually I find that there's a couple that are quite bad and this is no mean oh wait 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 hold it hold it we've got a question actually on this specific thing I think we've uh, answered that question but yeah, yeah the Greg man he says in this vein what foods are prohibited at your table and why noise question mark too greasy too messy he's got another question as well but we'll get to that uh, uh, I d- and anything that involves a dip. 
Oh my god, Harrison, you could took it out of my fucking head. Oh yeah. Like this is the thing, right? And uh, uh, obviously, this isn't poking uh, Sean, but he loves na- nachos and a salsa dip. But salsa's too thin, man. But the, my biggest gripe, um, and I know why he does it, but my biggest gripe is, you, you know, when you take the lid off. And then what he does is he puts the lid upside down and then puts uses the jar. it as a coaster, yep. puts the jar on top of it. So the jar is just sitting in the salsa when the jar could have either just sat on the table. Because there's sal- the sal- yeah, salsa on the underneath of the lid. And then and then, then he moves the fucking jar. It goes on a sheet. There's fucking tomato juice all over it. It's gross, man. And like, But he, he's not the only person to have ever done it at the table. No, 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 no. It's now, just, he just does it more regularly. I, I understand like that maybe there are some foods that for a one-shot then, in that case, I would approve, like more elaborate foods, because it's more of an event, right? You're, you're playing a one-off game, and everyone's supposed to be excited and have fun. So like when Phil bought the chicken nuggets. Or if you did have chips and dip, it doesn't matter. We're yeah. chucking away these character sheets afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, but if and like if it's a more long... beer and pretzely game, yeah, like that stuff is is fine. I feel like so in terms of prohibited items, it's definitely some pungent food. Yeah, chips and dip. Um, I think the most pungent, the 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 highest level of pungosity is sour cream and chive Pringles. Right, everyone can handle that. Maybe you don't like them. Oh no, I love them. They're great. Yeah, um, but like, oh, do you remember those? Sorry, the, the, the cheesy things I had there that uh, near Christmas. Those the cheese lits, but the tr- with trees, they're trees lits, and they're like, oh mate, they're really pongy. And I had to put the lid on them. I don't remember that at all. No, <laughs> yeah, sorry, they, they really offended your nostrils. I was at, super cheesy. I was a game once where uh, this is at Shake On. This is a long time ago now. Now I was sat next to a, and you know I can't. Well, I can't really blame her. I can't probably even say this, but she was she was turbo autistic, non-verbal autistic. Mm. And I went. I had gone to the shop and I had bought uh, a bunch of snacks for the table, right? And I bought some sour cream and chive pretzels. She ate all of them, uh, and throughout the entire game was also farting quite hideously. Now, so the sour cream smell I think is quite a pleasant one, but mixed with the four-hour-long farts of somebody that was eating them. <laughs> Not nice. Not nice at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think anything smelly, anything that can spill, I think as, as dips go, hummus is acceptable, acceptable because it's, it's almost it's really a solid. Viscous, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck. I mean, uh, and, and greasy shit. Like, what was it the other day where... Sh- sh- oh, God. I really don't want to... Okay, I'm not going to say his name. Somebody who isn't Sean at the game. Like, so Tabuscus was running us through HeroQuest and it's his brand new, you know, £100 pristine fucking box set and he's a big collector type guy so he likes to keep things uh, in that way and uh, I think somebody had uh, food all over their hands and went to pick up the dice and roll them and I was like just got your greasy ass fucking hands there mate oh yeah uh, it just really icked me out I'm like if that was my fucking thing and then I'd have to open the box and it smells of like fucking finger grease Oh, that's so not nice. nice. Not nice. But yeah, just um, yeah, so grease. No, nothing. What about greasy. if somebody brings fast food to a game? Is that acceptable? Like a bag of McDonald's? It depends what it is. Mm. Like, uh, you, you. If it was Five Guys, definitely not, because that's too greasy. It's too greasy, too drippy. If it was um, a Papa John's pizza, they're just slathered in grease. If it's same goes for Pizza Hut. And uh, I think Domino's sometimes they're quite greasy, but they tend to be. But the do you ever least... remember when you were hungover in a game and you ordered a large pizza just for yourself? 
yeah. and we're like trying to re- recover from the hangover. Yeah, mate. I think Domino's can be acceptable because it's yeah. not quite as greasy. But I think also Mac- McDonald's is kind of the same. It depends what it is. If it's a burger or chips, you can get away with sort of munching on that as long as you degrease your hands each time. So Have some degrease wipes. wipes. And there, but if, for instance, you had KFC, which would be great, uh, but you couldn't really eat chicken at the table. Well, that's easily solved though because KFC tends to like the greasy chicken comes in a bucket. So what you do is you just lean over <laughs> like a bird, eat it only with your mouth, just have grease all over over your face, and then um, and then it. you're fine. You're not touching anything with your greasy hands unless you're kissing the other players, in which case the RPGs aren't really the point at that point. Yeah. So, um, so super crummy stuff should try and be um, like... Crummy stuff or like bad stuff. Yeah. You crummy st- uh, The Greg Man, he also has another question. He says, What is one genre I- that is underrepresented in RPGs? Pornography. Oh, I was just about to say that. No, no, that is overrepresented, if it anything. Is, it is disgusting. Um, I don't know. No. I feel like there's a lot of mystery games that aren't, that are always supernatural. So, like Kids on Bikes. Uh, Towers from the Loop, Call of Cthulhu. It's oh, always yeah. mystery games that are supernatural. What I mean, something like Happy Valley or like you know a police procedural. I know there's one in Savage Worlds called the Thin Blue Line. I think it's called, but I don't know if it's investigative as much as it is shooting people. Um, but yeah, I think that's an underrepresented genre that's not done enough. Just straight up uh, police procedurals or, or like um, investigative games that aren't. How Supernatural, about, and I don't know how soap opera. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Well, psychological thriller. How how would you? Uh, what like? What's a good example of one of those? Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Does that count? Oh, I'd say so. I actually watched that last night. Fiona hadn't seen it. That's weird. Oh man, that's a weird coincidence. Yeah. That's a great film. Yeah, it is. You're not looking at the whole picture, Clarice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I um. Yeah, I think psychological thriller. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to represent them in, in an RPG. I can see why, but at the same time, it isn't because yeah, but yeah, but then I I don't know. Like like or... I say, Prison Break. That's a thriller. That would be fucking great as an RPG. Yeah. Although it's not a very good series. It's one I like, but it's not very good. Um, it's all about escapading, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to go with that then. I'm going to go with uh, crime drama um, and. Reality TV. Because <laughs> I fucking love reality TV. Oh, my God. Imagine if you got to play 90 Day Fiancé, the RPG. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, I have seriously thought about doing Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. No, you have, because this is years old, that thought. Yeah. Like, I've definitely mentioned it more than yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. But it's because I, I think it would be really great. Because I play the Housewives. See, yes, exactly. And all the shit that's going on. Yeah, and, and Actually, all, you all of the, the drama. Do you watch the series You? Because that's no. quite that's quite good in terms of if you've seen it and you could how you could apply that kind of stuff to your RPG. I might watch that then. Um, yeah. Well, because I, I had two ideas with that where I was like, I really wanted to do Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but then some circumstances have to everyone that's like crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. Uh, either that or just have it as, because the drama's like ridiculous. I mean, loads of them are like alcoholics, drug addicts, things like this. But what, what was... I'm going to sound like such a dick here, but what's great about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills <laughs> is that it's it's not it's a show that I would never watch on my own, but as a viewing experience where 
you're viewing the drama with somebody else and getting to comment on it, maybe make jokes about people just saying the other. That's what it. That's what makes it fun for me. If I watch it with my wife and we can go, oh, I reckon she did this because of that. Do you reckon she actually likes her? This, that, and the other. That's part of the fun of it. But what what I think is great about Beverly, the Beverly Hills one is that some of them are likable, which is not something you expect. There's a door. Answering the door. Is that some of the characters are likable? <laughs> so, um, um, so fucking yeah. I mean, what would be cool is like starting out with these absolute airhead cunts that, that sort of all the characters love to hate and love to play, and then maybe fleshing them out to the point where you start to like them. It'd be, I feel like um, at least just thinking about it immediately. I feel like it would be quite hard to get all of that. Um, all of the drama in i reckon i reckon i reckon i could do it right um to give um you just need to present a lot of situations and like, oh you're gonna take that shit you're gonna take that shit yeah and like, and like stir the pot consistently i think i think that's what it's got to be i mean and also if if you, if you look at the main cast of beverly hills right there there's like really the cast changes in a lot of the seasons but the main ones then sort of a lot of the drama comes from when somebody new enters the group and they're really fucking weird and that would be quite easy to do because there's one series where there's this w- British woman who's an absolute twat and she's well into like witchcraft and wicker and shit like this and all of the girls keep laughing at her and as a result she gets really pissed off and she goes, dude, ever insult by religion and stuff like this and like <laughs> having the characters have to go navigate a party where like their husband's biggest business clients are there and this woman's being a cunt and then you're trying to subtly get revenge i think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun it's like p- political intrigue but meaningless <laughs> it's like do you know what i mean i don't know uh it's it's probably a tough one but yeah I, that is a genre i, that like I think that is underrepresented your biggest challenge is a dm but we managed it in fucking in tough guys on the downtime it was mostly a basically a soap opera yeah, but that's because... But then if the game was entirely that, it would probably suck. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, maybe I would just go at it from the angle of, like, then something wacky happens. I mean, it doesn't have to be something crazy, but it could just be that one of the one of their neighbours' houses burns down and you suspect it's insurance fraud and uh, now the police have asked you to get involved. You know, something like that. I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but I would love to do that. Anyway, we've spoken way too long about that. Um... <laughs> CJ, he says, serpent, folk, frog people, or bug-eyed aliens for long-lost fantasy civilization. Which one would you pick? Frog people. Yeah, frog people, all day. Lassie, he says, opinions on Discworld, favorite books, what RPG fits best for that world? DCC and Senior University Adventure, where you tried to climb the ranks, sounds baller. Uh, yes, it does. Uh, you read any Discworld, James? I have not. I have, uh, and my favorite books are the Guards series... There was one... Oh, God. See, the thing is, I read them all in one big chunk, and you know what my memory is like. Mm. Really shit. <laughs> uh, there was one that was... Because the Discworld books, uh, are usually, they've got a very good message around them. And there was one that was... Whose name I forget. It was all about a uh, political thing going on and a big war with a nation that everyone seemed to hate and think were like... 
they were basically a stand-in for Arabic people, and uh, it was all about how everyone learned that they weren't savages and things like this. Now it's a particularly good one, except I can't remember the fucking name. Anyway, all right, Guards, Guards is the first one known. That's very good. <laughs> um, and yeah, DCC definitely would be up there because of how stupid the uh, sort of and and arcane and weird the fucking uh, wizards are in in Discworld. Yeah, definitely that. Ace says, "Did you check out Korg yet? Check out Korg. You know Korg." It's a it's an <laughs> James just did a face. Uh, it's an RPG that fits on a single card, and you can order it from this bloke's Etsy shop, I think. Really? Yeah, he's uh, in the Discord. Uh, he's, he's one of them. Uh, it looks really good. Ace has had a lot of fun playing here. I think you it's a solo RPG that you sort of play, and it'll be like you roll. This event happens. See how well you do with it. I don't know much about it, but check it out, listeners. It's Korg K O R G. Nice. He. This is our last question here. He says, "Does anyone else here get internet reminiscent?" I th- I think the '80s born and maybe nerdy '70s people are the first to experience this. Is a thing I feel, but I don't know if it's documented. This is kind of badly written, Ace. Um, like the internet has changed. It was all decentralized, free for all, where anyone. One could have a MySpace page, a GeoCities, host their own web page or BBS, and now it's all corporate. I'm jonesing for the old net, and now it's all corporate. I'm jonesing for the old net. Did anyone ever feel that that feeling of Wild West exploration ended up on some random website that was just a wall of text and links that someone somewhere made? Now I know that Ace doesn't drink, so that's not an excuse for why that's so badly written. But, yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, getting back to uh, like old school internet days, do you miss it? Uh yeah. Same. Everything was, it was just uh, more innocent. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Like, and, and like, in a certain way, it was just like, you would ever so, like, like you're not in any huge danger of stumbling across, say, for example, Goatsy on Facebook, right? But just yeah, stumbling across, like, like when it was just a good laugh, just to send somebody meat spin, do you know what I mean? Like, that, it's just classic, man. I just, I don't like the fact that the internet nowadays is filled with so much fake news and shit and it's it's just there's basically only like three websites that everyone visits it's like yeah it's dull i mean i i i knew somebody once whose only encounter with the song you spin me right round like a record uh was via meat spin i think it was yeah we were listening to i think it was a cubic and we were listening to absolute 80s if i recall correctly that came on and he started laughing and i was like what's so funny he's like it's the meat spin song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no I miss it and it was like I don't know it, there was just a bit more of a magic to it back in the days and it might be because we were children but also because it was uh, was sort of new do you know what I mean yeah. and I, like I, one of the things I really miss is old YouTube like I hate what it's become now I absolutely hate it like for example old angry video game nerd and the way it was produced like it was produced really shitly but that was part of the charm of it, that anyone could get on there and do this, and you would really have a different calibre of stuff on the internet that you wouldn't get outside of it. Whereas now, YouTube has become either, you know, very, very long video essays, which I like, or very long documentaries about really shitty, lame subjects, or really short vlogs about people's lives. (laughs) And I hate that stuff. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I miss old internet. Although the speed's definitely not. 
trying to read a webcomic on old internet was like really really terrible oh, that's like, horrible where you actually watch the web page loading from top to, loading from top to bottom yeah and then i'd literally have to look away so i didn't spoil the text for the both panels i'd be like you know he's saying the on that panel and hello on that one it's like <laughs> yeah awful but i i remember on the old like like the old internet i keep saying it like that but um there was a time where for example you would just add a stranger on on aol instant messenger um like i was on this is a fucking weird story but i was on playing n64 online before that was a thing because we had had these emulators and it had a sub emulator called kalira which meant you could play with randoms online we were playing smash brothers and my emulator wasn't working turbo well and was fucking up and i asked the guy i was playing with it's like so um is there any what like why does this keep happening he's like oh you need this version of the rom and he just sat and waited on aol instant messenger while it downloaded on my computer for a good two hours i mean him just chatted about games that we liked and stuff that see that's the innocence that it but no also like has. having to turn your computer on to research something like yeah, now you just do it yeah, on your phone and you have to you had to dedicate time to use the internet so it know? almost felt like you would get more out of it because you'd be like right well i've, I've turned the computer on. i'm going to read about this subject for ages yeah even like <clears throat> even like msn messenger and stuff if you like, i met hey. my wife on there mate well i didn't meet her on there uh i met her once before and then i asked her out a day on there yeah well that's a, that's how a lot of when well, on facebook nowadays mate you'd send a woman a message and she would say that you're a misogynist and to report you to facebook and that yeah, would be that you get policed back then i was a misogynist and i got away with it yeah, that's exactly. the trouble Never mind. But yes, all the time I get reminiscent for it. There's that cracking... I don't know what the fucking website address is, but do you remember that one that was like the GeoCities type website that somebody made that was all MIDI music and the spinning skull gifs and like all of that? <laughs> it's so fucking good, man. Um, all right, well, that's going to be a podcast. Thank you for your questions. Shall we do an outro? I think we shouldn't. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. No, do an outro. No, okay, no, so do, do these social medias. I'll do the medias Wait of social. Roll dice. Have full sexual intercourse. Play Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Do a butt sex. Why the fuck am I waiting for you? I don't need to wait. Just look up free TRPG pod and uh, Google or something, and then it will like load everything we've done. And um, we've actually we put social spell. We've put a lot of um, new stuff out on the YouTube actually. So um, oh yeah, we have. We're going to be start using that a lot, a little bit more. Mostly Harrison. Yeah, uh, I've been. Uh, well, uh, our friend Ham Flanderson has been putting out a lot of videos recently. Um, yeah. He does RPG reviews and that. So, yeah, definitely subscribe to us on YouTube. Yeah. They're very uh, informative, very very short. And then, as as usual, look at us up on Patreon and please be a patron of us because our money is uh, fleeting. We need money. We need money. No, no, we do. It goes, it all goes no, we really yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Do. 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 And then um, check out Drive Through RPG. The old days of YouTube. And um, yeah, look up the old uh, free TRPG pod at gmail.com. Send us a message or go on a Discord and message us there because it's better. That's Even it. though I don't use it. Um, you should. They're cool guys on there, man. Whatsoever. They're cool guys and some not cool guys. 
I'll, what I'll do is I'll make a point of um, dedicating a few minutes every so often. You might meet your special someone on there, James. I've met you already. <laughs> that's good man that's a good that's a good one alright uh, well I've been Harrison Hunt I've been James Clark and this has been no and remember that D20s are cool but 20Ds now that's a good time yeah. <laughs>